Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN with... The great Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is here at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. How are you guys doing? We are. I'm spectacular. How are you? Kind of, kind of miserable outside. Eh, it, well, it's, it's warm. Warm. It is warm. Yeah. We'll take but the, yeah, we'll looks take that. cool, but will be warmer? Uh, tonight. Yeah, it, it's, well, no. Uh, let me see. Let's go to the official weather forecast of the... Uh, the opening drive, which happens to be AccuWeather on my phone. Uh, right now it's 63 degrees. Going to get up to 66 by 10 a.m. And then the temperature is going to drop throughout the course of the day. And tonight, it's going to rain. Uh, yeah, 100% chance. <laughs> 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It, it actually, right, when we said that a couple of days ago, it actually did rain. Yeah. So yeah, a 13% the, chance. Whether, whether people were correct. Yep. So there's, uh, there's your weather. You want traffic and weather together? Sure. Uh, let's go up in the jet copter too. There's oh, there's a there's a car. There's a car. There's two cars out on uh, Olive and Creve Core, east and westbound. So it's a crystal clear trip for you today. If you're driving down Olive and Creve Core, headed to work or maybe headed home, which would be pretty fun. Uh, north east, north south, east westbound, 270, all good. East, you know, I can't see 44 from here. <laughs> Uh, but I'm assuming you're going to get there. It might be a slowdown. No, no sunshine slowdown, but I'm assuming you're going to get there. Okay, that's traffic and weather together. I'm uh, Captain Randy Carricker. I'm 101 ESPN Jet Copter 2. There we go. Sounds like maybe the weather was keeping... you got to land the chopper. Sounds like maybe the weather was keeping the jet kind of low today. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. The, the, the. Well, you always have to go to the reporter, too, who's out on the scene that just tells you what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Is there, right? So, Brooke, TV veteran, is there a worse gig than standing on a bridge in a snowstorm? God, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There, there's a couple of times. I think there's nothing worse than being in the sports department. And I've, I've been a part of several sports departments now. And there's nothing worse than when it's snowing and you still have to go in. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to get I'm going to get pulled into this. I'm going to get roped into this somehow because you always see that random sports anchor reporter that's like, getting thrown into the snowstorm coverage yep. and they're just waiting and then sure enough it's like hey can you go uh you know show what it's like how much snow there is and you're like oh my god <laughs> no i cover sports what do you want me to talk about i have no idea it's snowy there you go do you want me to say don't you dare come out here don't come out here it's so dangerous but i got I'm here. Out here i'm outside <laughs> you don't <laughs> the, the, the reporter that was uh 
reporting and the, the bison or the buffalo started coming towards him and he started packing oh, his stuff yeah, up. That, yeah. to me, is... Hey, he's like, oh, whoa, hey, you know what? <laughs> the hell with this interview. I gotta go. <laughs> so, uh, My life is more important than this job. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's a big reason why I didn't pick that career path. I could oh. not... Could not be out in the elements like that. Yeah, <laughs> the the ones that stand out there in the in the hurricane season and Come on, they're man. almost falling over trying to tell you we can see that it's bad. I don't. Yeah. I don't have you seen safe, some of the reporters sir? that have also faked it too? Have you seen some of those those videos that have come out over the years where it's like somebody making it seem worse than it is, oh, and no. then, then oh, people really? are walking <laughs> in the background like totally oh, yeah. fine. <laughs> yes, you know what I'm talking about. I have seen those. Hey, happy uh. Friday Eve, and we are one week away from opening day. One week from right now, we're going to be down at Ballpark Village. Yeah, looking forward to that. We'll be broadcasting, well, most of us will. I mean, one of us will oh. be in, out of town yeah. watching basketball, uh, yeah. Yeah. enjoying the uh, Mavs, the Nuggets and the Suns. Yeah, well, getting the, getting the, watching the Stan Kroenke's Nuggets get drilled. Yeah, by, by the Phoenix Suns. In, in Phoenix or is it in Denver? That's in Phoenix. In Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, good luck. Go play some golf. You have a good time. We'll have a good time. Nice. We're going to be broadcasting live from the Budweiser Brewhouse because we care about the Cardinals inside Ballpark Village <laughs> next Thursday for opening day. Cardinals home opener is finally here. We're going to be set up just steps away from the ballpark. The opening drive, BKM Ferrario, and the fast lane will be broadcasting live next Thursday, March 30th from Ballpark Village. Our opening day coverage brought to you by Rawlings, by Green Envy Lawn Care, and by Budweiser. And we already have officially on the show for next Thursday one Bob Costas, one John Mozalock, one Mark McGuire. One Greg Amsinger uh, and a couple of other special luminaries that are coming your way. So we're looking forward to that. The Cardinals with a nil-nil draw yesterday on the pitch down in uh, in Florida. Jordan Montgomery was good. Yeah, but so, a tie. Uh, yeah, that's spring training. <laughs> Uh, Jordan Montgomery, five shutout innings. Of course, when you have a nil-nil tie, everybody threw a shutout inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montgomery with five of those. He allowed six hits, struck out one, and didn't walk anybody. And then Helsley, scoreless inning. Hicks, scoreless inning. Pallante, scoreless inning. Verhagen, scoreless inning. And the Cardinals only had five hits on the day. But they'll probably get Goldie and Arenado back in. I would probably not today. I would think they'll probably play tomorrow, though. I can see that. I, I'm sure it will take them a little bit. When does Lars come back, too? Yeah, he's he should be back as well. But I, I would think that he'll be, especially because he's the champion, he probably partied a little bit. <laughs> Did you see those photos that came out of them celebrating in the locker room? They're like pouring beers yeah. all over each other, chugging it. I think he should at least get like a day or two He's right there in between. With, with Nolan and Goldie, isn't he? Yeah. So they'll, they'll he, he needs an extra day for yeah. winning. Maybe, yeah. I think so. Just Did you recover. see Miles Michaelis also said that he better not wear that gold medal <laughs> back oh, into the clubhouse? Right yeah. <laughs> Today, by the way, the Cardinals play the Yankees down in Florida, and Nestor Cortez will go for the Yankees against Steven Matt. So that'll be fun. Everybody down at Roger Dean Stadium will have a good time seeing the Yankees. Uh, okay, the story of the day. Mm. Carrie Davis, congratulations. Uh, the Golden hey. State Warriors with a well-earned 127-125 win over the Dallas Mavericks. Second win in a row on the road. I think it's only their ninth win this season. They stink. Game time about, is on time for the Warriors. It is. It's coming. It's right around the corner. Last We're, year when they got blown out by Memphis in the playoffs, they were like, oh, yeah, they're done. Yeah, yeah. It, it, playoff know. time is That's right the around the corner. When you're great, you just know. Yeah, they, they, they play really well. They have to... Jordan Poole is an out, is an outstanding player. Steve Kerr has to do something with him. Yeah, his 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 minutes need to be limited 
and he he just goes too fast and tries to do too much and make big spectacular splash plays. Playing with Steph Curry is a is a probably a gift and a curse for him because he's seeing all of the freedom, but that has been earned by Steph. Steph wasn't doing that in his first two or three years, four years in the league. He had to earn that. He had to become the MVP of the league and and earn the right to be able to have that freedom, that luxury. Jordan Poole is not finishing games, even though he's one of the most talented players on the team, because he does not take care of the basketball. And and there was a point there where Steve Kerr had uh, Clay Thompson about to come in. It looked like he was coming in for Jordan Poole. Jordan made a shot, and I think he decided to take Steph out and take Dre out mm-hmm. and bring someone else in. And he probably should have took Jordan out in that moment because they the 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 the. the um, the Mavs went on an 8-0 run right after that substitution. Yeah. So it, 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 he has to figure out something with Jordan Poole. Here's the way this game ended. Here comes the ball screen from Draymond Green on the switch. Kleba has Curry. Shot clock at five. Curry behind the basket. Drives. Gets all the way to the basket. Gets an easy layup. And it's a three-point lead. Lob inside to Doncic. Underneath the basket. Got to put it up. He does. Missed it. Thompson saves it. And Looney foul with 1.7 seconds left. Three seconds on the clock. Bullock catch and shoot. Good on the three, so that'll count. But the game is over. The Golden State Warriors get a huge road victory. By two. And Jeff Van Gundy mentioned by two because of what had happened at the end of the third quarter. ESPN's Malika Andrews setting up why Mark Cuban is going to protest this game. Under the basket. After this shot... The referee appears to signal Warriors ball out of bounds, timeout Mavericks. But it was in very quick succession and a bit confusing there. The Mavericks were confused as well because when the Warriors are now inbounding the ball, easy bucket for Kevon Looney and Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban upset about this, saying it was our ball. It was told to us that it was our ball. Now, the officials say we told Dallas that it was Golden State's ball. There is not a Dallas player in sight, and Golden State inbounds to Kevon Looney. No defense whatsoever. We could have hit the shot, and he did. He, he did, and and Kevon Looney almost ran to the other end thinking, why are they all down there by themselves? Something is wrong. And then I think he realized, oh, this is our basket. They're wrong. Let me get this and, and dunk it in. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that they lost by two points, but... There was a three-pointer at the end of the game that if it was a little bit closer, they probably would have been guarding him. And, you know, if you are a basketball player, if you're a basketball coach, you have to know whose ball it is. You yeah. have to be yeah. paying attention to the situation. There are five guys on the court. There are multiple coaches on the bench. Someone had to have seen that they were handing the Golden State Warriors the basketball under their hoop in order to make a basket, uh, and none of them did. So who, who are you mad at, really? Yeah, and Mark Cuban is mad at the officials. He apparently is going to file a protest. He has 48 hours to file a written protest. Here's Zach Lowe of ESPN. So Mark Cuban is contesting the result of this game that hasn't happened since 2008 with Shaquille O'Neal, and they, they won, the Heat did, and they had to replay essentially the final 51 seconds. Zach, help me make sense of all of this. You see something new every day. Look, break down uh, Mark Cuban's tweet. He says the refs called it Mavs ball. The NBA and the referees are saying we did not actually call it Mavs ball. We called it Warriors ball. And everyone got confused because of how quickly the referee went from Warriors ball pointing the other way to timeout Mavericks. So if he can't say that the refs called it Mavericks ball, I don't know how successful the protest is going to end up being. But clearly there was a massive communication mistake by everybody involved. It's strange. I don't know what the remedy is going to be, if any. 
It's interesting because, you know, you have the protests going on now. And Mark Cuban also took to Twitter and had a very lengthy post. I'm just going to give you the end right here because I thought this part was interesting. Worst officiating non-call mistake possibly in the history of the NBA. All they had to do was tell us and they didn't. Do you agree with that sentiment that it was the worst non-call? He apparently didn't watch the Lakers uh, Portland series in 2001. <laughs> I was going to say, I can think of a couple more. <laughs> there was no Lakers Kings. Lakers, Lakers Kings. Lakers Trailblazers was one also. That was, was yeah, some, that was bad. When they were calling everything on Sheed, and, and it was just. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it, was, it was like, bro, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, it was, that's tough. So he'll file the protest, he'll lose the protest, and uh, the Mavericks will wind up losing the game. And the Blues play at Detroit tonight. Uh, now, they're on the road, so it's not punch a Red Wings fan in the face day, but hopefully the Blues can come no. away with another really competitive loss. We can't go there and do it? Is this still Joe Louis Arena? Where, what, no, what they, they play what at they? Little Caesars Arena now, a new is, arena. Is Joe Louis Arena still there? I think it's still there, yeah. Okay. yeah. You can't punch Red Wings. I mean, it, 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 when it was Joe Louis Arena, you... you would think that's that's where you punch Red Wing fans in the face for sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I I was just checking. And I and I have some good breaking news for you. I said this to you last night, you Carrie. Did. But just you as did. a reminder for everybody who didn't see it last night, uh, Tori Krug is staying. It's not because of injury, because yeah. they had a beautiful child. Congratulations, Congratulations to Congratulations. the Krugs. Uh, and good news for Carrie Davis. Callie Rosen will Callie be coming in. Rosen. Yeah. Listen. I, all he does is win games. Oh, if you want to win, put Cali in. That that's that's. If you want to oh, win, wow, I like put that. Cali that's in. it. That you you want to win, put Cali in. He's gonna help you win. Now, Blues fans, relax. I know you don't want many wins, but you're playing the Detroit Red Wings. You all are essentially in the same spot, so it's not really gonna matter, right? No. I mean, it, it, we're still a game below them at this point, or a couple of games, right? So yeah. we're, we're we're good. Competitive losses. Competitive. Uh, I'd hate losing, Randy. I don't know. Have we, you, we, but how you, you doing? I'm Carrie. Have we met? You win. <laughs> yes. you, you, you win by losing if you're the Blues front office. Not if you're the players or the if coaches. If you're the players, you don't want anything to do with that losing. That's on them. Yeah. You guys figure out a way for us to lose if you want to. We're going to Oh, I think play they, did. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did all that. <laughs> they took away quite a few pieces that yeah. helped with winning. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right, so we're off and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399-YOHO if you are using the letters. I wish Everybody's- you all could see <laughs> I was Brooke's so nervous. She was, as preparation for <laughs> Randy I almost went early. Numbers, her face was like a grimace. Like, oh, it's about to happen again. Okay, here it goes. <laughs> Here's the thing. I want people to know I enjoy it. I just get really nervous because I was never in choir or anything like that. So I don't know when to jump in properly on some of these things or have the right, you know, octave, all that kind of stuff. It oh, makes me nervous. That was right I on almost time. went yep. early, too. I don't know if anybody heard that. Where I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> We've got sick of it coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Next line number saved in your phone, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. 
if you use letters on your phone, which you should, uh, those are the phones now. I mean, uh, your, your phone has letters on the numbers. So Y-O-H-O. Just remember that word and you can text in to the show like so many do every single day. We'd love to have you text in for sick of it. Uh, Matthew, Brooke, Carrie, I am sick of the long national nightmare of Aaron Rodgers still being a Packer. Mm. Let's just get this done. You're going to New York, buddy. Packers, Jets, Rodgers, let's just get it done and end it for us because I don't want to watch it anymore. I just am tired of it. We don't talk about it here, but we look up at the screen every single day. And like 95% of the time, they're talking about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, and he hasn't done it. So, so let's just get her done. I, I, I'll take that. It, it's been a saga for the last, really last two or three years yeah. since since Jordan Love got drafted. Is he going to play? Is he mad? Is he upset? Is he Are his feelings hurt? What's going on with Aaron Rodgers? And at some point, you gotta you got to figure it out. Hey, come on, man. Just play ball. Have yeah. fun and play ball. Agreed. I I thought that by this point, honestly, I thought after he did the McAfee interview that there would be something immediately coming after mm-hmm. that, that everything was pretty much set in stone. But I don't get what's taking so long at this point. No one knows. I think what's happening happening is the Packers are asking for more than the Jets are willing to pay. It's, exactly. It's a if you know well, he wants to be traded... You're not your leverage if you're the Packers is not very it's right. not very high. So maybe that's the issue is that Rodgers didn't exactly help the Jets in this situation because he publicly mm-hmm. went out there and said I want to be with them. I'm pretty much ending things with the Packers. Wish them the best. Good luck to Jordan Love. All that kind of stuff. That doesn't exactly help your new team and leverage, especially with negotiations. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's. I think he has the most leverage out of everyone. I, you know, we, we'll see. Uh, Randy, a couple of weeks ago, the Carolina Panthers moved up to the number one pick in the draft, trading away a few players with the Bears. The Bears got the ninth overall pick. Take it or leave it, if the Panthers— oh, this, is, this is what you're sick of, baby. Oh, we are sick of it, huh? Yeah, this is oh, sick of I'm, it. I, I'm thinking—I said take it, didn't Yeah, I? you did. Okay, well, I'm sick of— Well, you of, still took it. It's okay. I, I did take it. I, yes. I, I am sick of— Hearing about Anthony Richards being Richardson being the number one overall Thank pick. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> did you not watch the guy play? <laughs> I, Randy, I I, get, I am sick of scouts, front office members, and everyone and, and and coaches watching young men play games, seeing who is the best on the field, mm-hmm. and then deciding, well, this guy must be better because he ran faster in shorts. That, to me, is absolutely nonsense. You cannot choose a player based on how well he ran, how far he threw, how much weight he lifted in shorts. Randy, take it uh, Sorry, it's not take it or leave it, but we don't wear shorts in football. It's yeah. full pads. Yeah, what we do in pads is what matters more. So I'm sick yeah. of seeing that. Why am I smarter about evaluating quarterbacks than NFL people? Because you use common sense. Oh, okay. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. It makes me think of I bring up this example a lot. Doriel Green Beckham. I'm sure some Mizzou fans remember him. Oh yeah. So if everybody remembers what happened in that situation. You know, he had an incident in Oklahoma, went to went to Mizzou, mm-hmm. and then for the draft, he was caught. I guess he smoked weed right beforehand, not a part of what you're allowed to do. But they were so impressed. The Titans were so impressed with how he did during that combine that they were like, it's fine. We're going to ignore everything. And then look at what happened. Yep. 
He I couldn't w- even remember like one route. I was telling Brooke, I was listening to Harry Douglas a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks ago, and he was talking about Doriel Green Beckham and saying, we had one play mm-hmm. for him. Yep. He lined up in this spot, and he ran this route. That's the way it was And we too. called the play, and this man lined up in the wrong place. We He was only supposed to line up <laughs> on the right. There is no way. Randy, <laughs> listen to me. If you have one play that is named specifically for you, mm-hmm. You cannot line up in the wrong spot and wrong, no. run the wrong route. And here's the thing. He had Calvin Johnson-like physical ability. And people get enamored He's with that. huge. Yep. He, he, I mean, the build, everything. Yep. He had the, the, the million-dollar skill set and the 10-cent brain. That, yeah. <laughs> That's my example every single time of, yeah. like, why are you guys looking so oh, yeah. much into that? I mean, Gary Pinkle did everything for him. And I, I think the statute of limitations has probably passed here. But <laughs> after, after Pinkle had to kick him off the team, I was with Gary. And I said, man, what a shame about Beckham. And he said, well, this was just the last drive. You only knew wow. what they did to try to oh, protect him Lord. to keep him on the on the team at Mizzou. Then that's probably part of the problem. Mm. Like, If yeah. you are never held accountable, you're not going to have success. Right. Not in football, not in life. Right. And they were trying to nurture a kid. He had a really rough childhood. And so they were trying to nurture a kid through, but it just didn't work. No. Well, it takes him wanting to do that yeah. as well and improve. Also, do they not talk to the college coaches? I mean, like, what are the NFL scouts getting paid? They they talk to everyone, and then they still make a decision to make a dumb decision. Yeah, and the Titans used a second rounder on the guy. I know. It's just, I believe me. It's one of the millions (laughs) of decisions that we just look back on in Titans history. Well, mine's going to be quick and uh, short and sweet. I'm sick of going to the gym and people not wiping off their equipment afterwards. So especially a treadmill Mm. or something that you're going to be sweating on. Like, I like to use the Stairmaster a lot. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more disgusting than you get on there and somebody was on there for like 40 minutes or maybe even like, you know, somebody who sweats a lot, 10 Mm. minutes, and they're just pouring sweat and they leave it on the Stairmaster. What is wrong with you? Yeah, come on, people. It's disgusting. By the way, is is there a better sweat-producing exercise than being on the Stairmaster? Yeah, so it should be required that you wipe and right. there's wipes everywhere, everywhere at the gym that yeah. i go to everywhere yeah just I'm wipe it off i get sick of people that sit at machines for 30 minutes and don't lift at all yes like <laughs> yes. hey bro get up mm-hmm. go find a seat out there somewhere not on the equipment get up move I'm why are you sitting yeah. there texting or taking pictures of yourself unnecessary 15 30 minutes haven't lifted one weight it's yeah. awful. Hey, you get 60 seconds, baby. <laughs> get 60 seconds and then boom, lift again, get out of there. Matthew, what do we got on the text line? I'm sick of Goldie and Arenado not performing when the stakes are the highest. I hope their performance in the WBC huh. final isn't a foreshadowing of their performance in the MLB postseason this year. So you're going to rate a baseball player on a single game? Is that what we're doing here? Or do uh, they have think, PTSD from yeah, I think the first they, round of the playoffs last year? Okay. It, it's combined with the PTSD from the Philly series. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, well, that's. I think you should probably look at the body of work. That that would be my recommendation. The career, like a thousand OPSs for both of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I. I think. Yeah. Nine hundred. Still. Are, do you know that the the USA would not have been in the championship game if it weren't for Arnato and Goldschmidt? <laughs> they would not have. The Cardinals won the semifinal game. Arnauto and Goldschmidt won it for him. So I would suggest that maybe you look at the just a big, bigger, broader body of work. I'm sick of the possible potential of Tyler O'Neill being a vital part of this Cardinals outfield. He had a decent season, part of a season two years ago. We know who he is. He is streaky at best. Trade him and move on. 
I'll say, you know, you finish a season with 34 homers and a 9-12 OPS. That was a pretty good season that he had. So the Cardinals see that ability. But they also have Jordan Walker. I don't think necessarily, guys, that they're relying on Tyler O'Neill. If they would have in the outfield at some point, because Tyler O'Neill is hurt or not performing, if they would have Walker, Newt Barr, and Carlson, would you be surprised? No. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, and also I think initially, too, they're going to see how things play out because Ali Marmol made a, like a comment yesterday basically saying he likes that competition of having four outfielders and just seeing how things play out. Mm-hmm. Sick of it. I'm sick of people saying the Blues should lose games to better their chances in the draft. As many of these same people often say, you play to win the game. I, I'm with that texter. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to lose ever. I play to win championships. Uh, you're not going to win the championship unless you win games there, sir. You, you know, win championships, the, right. you're not win uh, championships with this roster, Gary. The Indianapolis Colts took Andrew Luck mm-hmm. in the 2012 NFL draft because they lost a game that the uh, on a weekend that the St. Louis Rams won. St. Louis Rams in uh, 2011 uh, were not very good. Uh, they, they won two games. And whether they went 1-15 or 2-14, and 14, the only difference was that it made was that they lost out on a chance to take Andrew Luck. Mm. Mm. I mean, look at the Texans. They do, not, they do not control their quarterback destiny 100% because Lovey Smith won a meaningless game. Lovey. Lovey, I mean, shout out to him for yeah. doing shout it. Shout out to Lovey. Because yeah. he knew he was going to get fired. But they do not control their fate now at quarterback. Uh, yeah. they, they had their fate at quarterback, and he's in Cleveland yeah. after making some... They also didn't control interesting that. decisions. So, if you're the Blues, would you rather finish out of the playoffs ninth from the bottom or tenth from the bottom? That's what you're talking about. You know, that's you're still going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, ninth. I'm sick of Dan Snyder still owning the Washington Commanders. Thank you. I am so freaking tired of that. I also am really tired and disappointed too that it's not made even more of a big deal. That should be something that be should be constantly talked about. He should not be able to own it. There's no checks and balances system in the NFL ownership. And I saw what Roger Goodell, Goodell is going to get an extension. That's because he's <laughs> not holding anybody accountable, but that's not his job. There is nobody in place to hold these owners accountable. And of course, they're not going to vote each other out because he pretty much said, I have dirt on many people mm-hmm. in the ownership group. So, no, they're not going to vote him out, but nobody, he should not be allowed to. The things that he's done that we at least know of, which are really dang bad, it's awful. He, he messed around be with their it. money, though. That'll get him. When Once you mess around with the other owner's money, mm-hmm. that'll get you. Yeah. So, But I'm with you. And he'll be out pretty soon. And Hopefully. Maybe. Yeah, they'll, they'll get him. I don't know. Jerry Jones sure loves him. Jera, I think Jerry... The one thing you don't do with Jerry is take his money. Well, <laughs> he probably got some dirt on Jerry more Stan than anybody Kroenke else. And went to bat for Kroenke him. Made him Stan money. Uh, never took his money. He made him money. He signed the legacy deal. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, that is sick of it. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, we're going to talk some ball with our buddy Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Greg Amzinger of the Lindenwood University, a native of St. Louis, noted Cardinal fan, although he doesn't always admit it, on his national TV platform on MLB Network. Uh, Greg is with us now. He and his crew, Greg, you were spectacular at the World Baseball Classic. I know how much fun you had because I was watching, and congratulations to you and your entire crew with MLB Network on your coverage of the Classic. Oh, I could not have gone any better, Randy. Thank you so much for saying that. Miss hearing you guys chat. Uh, it's it's it was fun. My 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 voice is spent. I got to be honest. Doing the pregame, then then we would go watch right, and, and there were fans everywhere. So so you're talking the entire time you're watching, and then you're doing a two hour post game show. So if you add up how much I'm talking, it, it, it's like seven and a half straight hours of talking. And my wife says I have a nice voice. I'm sick of my voice by now. I, I it is grating. I, I, it is awful to hear myself speak. It's just not hey, good. You got to tell us about Sunday night when your IFBs weren't working. Oh yes, yes. So there are a lot. There's so many great stories from this World Baseball Classic. Obviously, it ended with the dream of Otani versus Trout. But on uh, I forget what day it was. Yes, Sunday, the IFBs went out. So I did an entire post-game show where I could not hear Pedro Martinez speak. And if we had a guest, because the crowds were so loud, I couldn't hear what the person that was standing between Harold and Pedro was saying. <laughs> so if you go back and watch it, I, I if they laughed, because so I guess the person said something funny, I laughed without knowing what they were laughing about. <laughs> I completely acted the entire two hours. It was the most, I, I, I'm a terrible lip reader, but Harold Reynolds has never caught on to that in 15 years working together. So during live shows, he'll try to lip words to me. And I just shake my head at him. Like, it doesn't work, man. It's and, and this, this was, I wish I would have trained with Harold in the art of lip reading because I, I was on an island by myself and I couldn't hear anybody. It was unreal. The worst feeling ever. Well, Greg, they also came out with the numbers for that WBC final. It averaged 4.5 million viewers. How huge of the, is this for the game of baseball? It is, to me, paramount. Um, you know, we get lost in our little American bubble in terms of how much of a reach Major League Baseball has. We like to compare it to other sports in our American bubble. But when you go outside of the bubble, you see that this sport plays. This sport does have many, many millions of fans. And for the country of Japan to have more people watch their their pool championship game. We're not, we're not even getting the ratings yet in terms of like how many people were watching 
like legit down to the, the actual number. How many people were watching Team USA against Japan? Um, they're still trying to get it factual. But we know that in that pool championship game, more people in Japan watched it than people in America watched the Super Bowl. And that's just in Japan. So I think Major League Baseball has as a gold mine here. Um, we haven't even implemented the new rules, mm-hmm. and we felt that. I mean, the, the one thing we have to keep in mind, the, Ota- the Otani Trout game, Team USA versus Japan, that's the last long, old-school baseball game you're going to see because when this event does come back in 2026, it's going to be with a pitch clock. It just is. And we're going to see games move again. That was the hard part, was watching pitchers take as long as they wanted, uh, watching batters take step out three times. The old rules, we're, we're not even at opening day yet, and we're already done with the old rules of baseball. We want this thing to move. That said, I mean, you couldn't write a better ending to it, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, I, I actually, and i got to send Randy the video of this, I wrote, produced, and directed the open to our pregame show before the championship game, right? Mm-hmm. And I was able to coax the very surly Ken Griffey Jr., who doesn't like doing anything. He was the hitting coach for Team USA. <laughs> to sit down in the dugout next to Pedro Martinez, and I and I fed them the lines, right? And I've got a video. Harold recorded me feeding lines to Ken Griffey Jr., who's razzing me while I try to do this. <laughs> and the open ended up being epic, essentially saying, you know, in 97, Ken Griffey Jr. was an MVP. In 97, Pedro was his first Cy Young. It was Ken Griffey Jr.'s first 50 homer season, Pedro's first sub-2 ERA. And now tonight, these two guys were the best in the world at one time. They finally get to watch the best in the world collide tonight. And then it actually happened, which was an epic moment in baseball history. Greg, how important was that? I mean, we we don't get to see enough of the Angels. They they aren't a good franchise. They aren't a good organization. To have the two best players in the world, bottom of the ninth inning, 3-2 count, and you have the best pitcher slash hitter versus one of the most talented players in Mike Trout. How important is that for the game of baseball? How important is it? How about this? When I ended the pregame show right before the first pitch of the game, my last statement was, all of you parents in America watching this broadcast right now, do not allow your children to go to bed tonight until the final out of this game. I go, I'm not kidding. Because if you think it's okay for your children to wake up in the morning and watch a TikTok of Otani facing Mike Trout, (laughs) shame on you. I don't care if it's a school night. If you do not allow your children to watch the two best players on the planet face each other, even though it's not set in stone that they will, but the possibility that it could, if you send them to bed tonight, I said this on TV. That's bad parenting. That is bad parenting. And I am glad I said it because it was important for the game. We want to get younger. We want kids to actually love Major League Baseball. That right there was as good as it gets. And I don't need Chris Russo talking about, ah, he didn't touch the ball. That was a moronic thing for him to say. He's not a true fan of baseball like the rest of us. That was a giant in the game against another giant in the game. They never get to face each other because they're on the same team for that to happen and to see the dominance of Otani and then to see his reaction. And then after the show, he told me it was the greatest day of his life. That was the greatest Mm. moment of his life. He didn't check with Chris Russo to see if he should say that. But to (laughs) Otani, it is the greatest moment of his life. Russo's play a lot more major league baseball games than Otani. (laughs) 
So he does have a lot of credibility here. And I'm sure I'm sure Russo would have hit a bomb off Otani in that moment. So he was bored. But I I was in love with that moment and I will be for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Hey Greg, we got a text here. Uh, from somebody in the 314. They used it in an earlier segment. It said, I'm sick of Goldie and Arenado not performing when the stakes are the highest. I hope their performances in the WBC final aren't foreshadowing of their performance in the MLB postseason. A two-parter here. Number one, would the Cardinals or would would the U.S. team have been in the finals without those two? And second, does baseball think they're any good, Goldschmidt and Arenado? Um, look, this sounds like you're trying to bait me to bash a fan, which I love doing, by the way. You sign me up any day to bash a self-righteous Cardinal fan. As I am a self-righteous Cardinal fan, I get to do that to myself as well. What I'll say is this. Mark DeRosa, the manager of Team USA, never changed the top four of his lineup. He shuffled everyone else. Mark DeRosa knows the game. Played for Team USA. Played a long time in Major League Baseball. He is a star on our network and he really works his butt off to break these guys down accurately every single day he didn't move Betts, Trout Goldie and Arenado those four are the best players in baseball in his eyes he wished he had Aaron Judge but in his eyes and I trust him those are the top five position players in the game Otani you couldn't get him I get it totally get it amazing Dominican players no doubt. Puerto Rico, they were stacked. Venezuela had great talent as well. But in terms of American players, the top four guys never moved throughout the entire tournament. Goldschmidt and Arenado are future Hall of Famers. If you're going to complain about Hall of Famers, then you, there, there's a show with a guy named Chris Russo. <laughs> Watch it. And maybe, and maybe you won't need Prozac in two weeks. Lighten up, enjoy the game, and enjoy the Hall of Famers on your own team. It's a good problem to have. Greg, the uh, Cardinals, most of the guys should be back here shortly, and and we think that they're going to have a pretty good team this season. If the Cardinals don't make a deep playoff run, it would be because of what? Uh, And Greg, Kerry thinks they're winning the World Series. Uh, You know what? i got to tell you – I'm starting to – I have always been apprehensive with the World Series thing. And uh, with the Edwin Diaz injury, they were, the Mets were my pick to go to the World Series and play the Tampa Bay Rays. Things have changed. I'm sorry, but Edwin Diaz is the most dominant closer in baseball right now. And now he's gone. So <laughs> that is a dramatic, uh, different-looking team. So I, 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 I believe I am open. I'm reopening my pick to go to the World Series. And people have been asking me if, if it's not the Mets anymore because the Diaz injury, who is it going to be? And I, my bad knee is really leaning towards St. Louis. <laughs> my bad knee, every time I start thinking about the Cardinals, it starts to crunch when I walk up and down the steps. I don't know what it is, but I am feeling the St. Louis Cardinals in the World Series. I am with you, Gary. I am not mm-hmm. kidding. It, the more I watch this team, the more I see the stability up and down it. I know people are looking at the, the radar gun of Adam Wainwright. They're going 84 miles an hour fastball. What is going on? Can we stop? 41 years old. He knows he's getting up there in age. He can still manipulate a baseball with that curve. He's going to be just fine. The depth in the outfield, the depth in the starting rotation now. Uh, you're sending guys that should be in the big leagues down to the minor leagues uh, because you've got so much talent. I, I To me, this is a team 
And I know it didn't end well for Gallegos when he was on the mound, but I, I still like the pen. I like everything about this team. They are leaning. I'm going to make my announcement next week on your show. Uh, I'm still like crunching the numbers, but they're in my top three of who I'm picking to represent the National League in the World Series. And that will be on opening day. We're opening day one week from today. Okay, Greg, one more thing. Golf courses in Miami. Give me some on that. Uh-huh. I just played golf yesterday uh, with the Riviera Golf Club. Ooh, very bougie. Very bougie. Uh, I, was, uh, I was with Yonder Alonso, who's a terrific host. And, you know, I, what I've come to learn is I'm a very good guest. I am a really, really good guest. And I don't get a bill every month when I go to other guys. <laughs> so I need to work that a bit more. Um, when I go to St. Louis, Randy, can I be your guest? Will Big you, boy. Is that okay? We will we'll play the best courses in town. We will <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll oh, make man. this happen. Oh, I'm blushing right now, Randy. Yes, <laughs> Riviera. Riviera yesterday was top notch. Ten out of ten. Did you did you like my Russo setup for you? You know, I knew he was going to get in the show. <laughs> I, I was a bit surprised that you weren't going to do his really weird, hey, to open the show. I kind of expected that to be the sound that I was going to hear when the segment started. Hey, you're the best. Love you. Congratulations again on the great work at uh, the, the Classic because it was so much fun. By the way, thank you. We, we had tickets. My son and I had tickets down in Arizona to watch the USA team against the Giants, and I want to publicly thank you for that because you're always so generous and you help us out. You're, you're a great guy, a great friend, and we do appreciate your time. Oh, man, I can't wait for you to host me on a golf course in St. Louis. This is going to be great. You hey, take care, buddy. Big boy, I'll take Bell care. Bell Reeve, probably. Something <laughs> nice <laughs> like that. That could happen. Come on, Randy. <laughs> I know people. Uh, that is the great Greg Amzinger, um, 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in to 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it. Come your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Matthew Rocchio and Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It is time for Tioli. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. Kids, Tommy Edmond is the Cardinal leadoff hitter today. Oh, okay. did you want to do that? You want- uh, yeah, I was. Okay, I, so I, I, uh, every time I try to prepare her, mm-hmm. I, I text. Well, I, let's try not to do it too sudden, though. Okay, we'll set it up here. 314-399-9646. If you're losing, using the letters on your phone, it's 314-399-YOHO. There, we're all in. This is good. Good, I like this. Uh, one week from today, the Cardinals will open the season here at home against the Toronto Blue Jays. Tommy Edmond is playing shortstop and leading off today. Take it or leave it, Tommy Edmond is playing shortstop and leading off one week from today. Ooh. Leading off? No, I'm not. I'm not yeah. going to take that. Just because they already said that they're going to have, they're kind of going to rotate Lars Newbar and Brendan Donovan. I think honestly, Brendan Donovan should be leading off. Agreed. Yeah, I, I'll leave it because of the the leading off part as well. I don't think he's been leading off. No. So, Randy, the uh, 
Arkansas Razorbacks take on the UConn Huskies this weekend. And we saw last week that Eric Musselman ended the game in spectacular fashion. Take it or leave it. Because we are creatures of habit, because we are extremely superstitious people in sports, they beat the UConn Huskies. He's taking his shirt off again. And again and again until the end of the season. 100% take it. Whenever they win, that shirt's coming off. I'm going to take it and I'm going to throw in like he's going to like punch somebody oh. like in celebration. Yeah. Not yeah. in like a bad way. Not one of his staff members. <laughs> not one of his not a staff. Randy, I'm telling you, it gets kind of treacherous on those sidelines. I side think that that's going to oh, be the imagine. best game possibly. Well, I hope it doesn't disappoint me after I say that. But I feel like that's going to be one of the most interesting, I guess, should say, games of the weekend. I think so. Yeah. All right, take it or leave it. So last night, Connor McDavid, McJesus, as some people say, uh, came out and said that he wants a World Baseball Classic-like hockey tournament and where it's the best of the best going against each other. I think that's a that's a pretty big deal that somebody like Connor McDavid would come out and say something like that. Take it or leave it. Hockey will listen, and they will do something like that. I will leave it. I will Based too. on the All-Star game. They, well, they've had the Olympics, and they reject the Olympics because they don't want to close down their season. They've had the World Cup in the past. It was a similar tournament. McDavid wasn't, isn't old enough to mm-hmm. remember it, but they had it. And it was one of, some of the most famous and greatest games ever were played in the World Cup. And so I'm going to leave it because I don't think that the Players Association and the league will be able to get on the same page to do something similar. I just think if you watch how the All-Star game, the All-Star game was similar almost to the Pro Bowl. Like it's just not a lot of uh, skating. It's not a lot of contact. It's not very aggressive. And so it, it, I don't know if they'll be willing. I'm sure they'll, it'll be a little bit different if it were a, a world classic type of deal. But based on what you've seen from the All-Star game, I don't, I don't know if you would... Uh, I think also he's kind of calling out other players to make sure when there are big moments like that that you participate. Mm -hmm. And that would be great if if he's that's Mike Trout, right? He's Mm -hmm. taking the lead, and Trout is the guy in baseball. If McDavid advocates it, that might be something that that they'll look at. It was the Canada Cup, by the way, 1987. Uh, Gretzky to Lemieux for an unbelievable Ooh. game-winning goal, and that was as good as uh, they beat Russia. Can, Canada team? beat Russia, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just did, that did something to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I that like was that. something. Uh, Matthew, what do we got on the old text line? Take it or leave it. Seventeen and a half is the over/under for Jordan Walker home runs. Uh, I don't know if it is, but if it is, I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I'll take, I'll the, take over. the over. I'll take as it. well. And I think he might hit 18. I think that's a good number. I think 17 and a half is a really nice number. Uh, take it or leave it. Trout versus Otani would have been like Lou Brock facing Bob Gibson. And I'm going to add a second part here. It would have gone about the same way. I'm going to leave that. Lou Brock wasn't the hitter that Trout is. No. Uh-uh. no. He, and he wasn't considered the best player in the game. So who would, that, who would be the comparison? Maybe the closest you could have gotten was maybe Marischal against Mays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, take it or leave it. Walker is hitting 167 since the injury. He probably needs to start the season at AAA. I think I'm going to leave that. Yeah, I'll leave it as well. Maybe Guys. that they're talking specifically about, well, you know, too, he hasn't done exactly great against lefties. I think he's like hitting, what, 50 against them? He's mm-hmm. doing really well against righties. But I think if he is up there, then they need to give him as much reps as possible. By the way, he's DHing today. Yeah. And I could see them. If he is in the minors, I don't think it would be because of his spring training performance necessarily as much as it would be because of what you talk about, Brooke, getting seasoning against left-handed pitching and getting an opportunity to play more in the outfield. And then third and certainly not least among these things, I would think that the Cardinals are, organizationally, they're looking at the clock. They're looking at paying him down the road.
Uh, take it or leave it. Brooke, just relax. Nubar's going to be in the starting lineup on opening day. I will not relax until it comes out He'll officially. I know, I'm kidding. I am I am pretty relaxed. I think I think he will be there as part of the president and CEO of the Lars, Lars Newt Bar fan club. We're feeling pretty good, especially since he's bringing back a gold medal and performed well on the national stage. He did get an RBI in the final two because I've seen some people text in and tweet like, well, he didn't do much. He did. He helped them get to that point. Yeah, he was really, he was a leadoff hitter. He was really good for them. Yes. So, by the way, I would think that with Ali Marmol locking in Contreras as his five hitter. Yes. I'm guessing that O'Neill would be the six. I think Lars Fitz is your number seven hitter. I could see that. So your number two hole hitter is Jordan Walker. I love Walker. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll put that kind of pressure on him early. So I'm thinking Donovan Newt. You got Newt at seven. Well, yeah, yeah and seven I don't want to hit those two back to back either. Yeah, it makes sense actually. So, if Carlson's in the lineup, maybe you hit him oh, up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Carlson, if, if, if you feel confident putting Carlson in the lineup, then yeah, Carlson's yeah. second. I like that. Um, and take it really, Brooke, if you think DGB was a tr- poor draft pick, please, you're talking to St. Louis football fans. Allow me to introduce you Jason Smith, Ty Hill, Lawrence <laughs> Phillips, Greg Robinson, Steve Little, Kelly Stauffer, and the great Clyde Duncan. <laughs> I don't remember Clyde Duncan. Clyde the Glad. You know, that's Lawrence very Phillips true. was not, I mean, outside of off-the-field issues, which he had a bunch (laughs) of. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking just talent, he was one of the most talented college football running backs to ever play the game. Yeah. So I wouldn't put Lawrence Phillips in that that conversation because, uh, again, aside from the the multitude of issues, and there were plenty to not draft him, he could play football. But you know what? You passed on Eddie George. Oh, oh, Eddie George is one of the best ever. I would have taken Lawrence Phillips, again, off the field issues aside, mm-hmm. I would have taken Lawrence Phillips over Eddie George in, in terms of just football player. I like, Lawrence Phillips was different, man. Like, he was, he was, he was a different cat. He was in college. Yeah. Yeah, he, but man, those issues were impossible over Yeah, there. you can't really get past those. He, he, he there was a Lawrence Phillips story, they, Adam, it was on HBO, like a, a, a documentary or whatever. He had a, a rough upbringing. Mm-hmm. And and kind of the everything spiraled out of control. So little Clyde Duncan, he was a, the first round draft choice of the football Cardinals in 1984. Cardinals in 1983 were really good. Lomax was terrific. They had had a really good passing game, but they needed another wide receiver. Roy Green was great. They needed a, a complimentary guy. And for the first time, the uh, Bidwell family, Mr. Bidwell, Bill Bidwell, allowed the head coach, Jim Hannafin, into the draft room. Previous to that, the head coach what? had never been in the draft room for the team. But Billy loved Hanny. Billy Bidwell loved Hanny. So they get into the draft room and they get down to, I think Clyde was like the 18th pick in the draft or something like that. They get down to the Cardinals spot in the draft. And Hanny has asked for a big receiver and Clyde's like 6'2", 205. And there's a kid from Southern Mississippi on the board still, Lewis Lips. You might have heard yeah, of him. I know Lewis Lips. So, Stiller. Yeah. So they get down to uh, the pick, and I don't think a receiver has been taken yet. And it's Clyde Duncan, a big receiver from Tennessee, and Lewis Lips. And back and forth go Bidwell and George Boone, director of scouting. And Bidwell's actually talking about Lewis Lips because he's projected to be a really good player. And then he turns to Hanny and says, Jim, what do you think? And Hanny... I'll tell you what, I talked to Don and I talked to Ernie Zampezi, Don Coriel. 
and Ernie Zampezi, and they think Lewis Lips is going to be a pro bowler. <laughs> Bidwell turns back to Boone and says, let's take Duncan. No, what? Spite for Don Coryell. So they wind up wow. taking Clyde Duncan, who had one touchdown catch in his career. I think he had like six, maybe less than that. He only played two years in the league, first round draft choice. And Louis Lips winds up winning uh, AP Offensive Rookie of the Year for the Steelers. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, so that, that little bit of spite that uh, caused them to take Clyde Duncan. One other quick note. First day of minicamp, I'm producing a show at KMOX with EJ Jr. and OJ Anderson. It's EJ and OJ. First day of minicamp. And I'm producing the show. I think OJ was actually hosting. And I go into the studio during the uh, break, and I say, so Clyde looks pretty good? And they both go, yeah. And I said, (laughs) what's wrong? And OJ says, well... He can't catch. His hands are bored. He can't catch the ball. That's pretty important for a receiver. And I said, well, at least he can run, right? You can teach him how to catch. At least he can run. And they both start laughing uproariously. (laughs) I said, what's going on? And OJ says, man, we were running 40s today, and Clyde ran against EJ, and EJ beat him. EJ was a middle linebacker. Oh, God. (laughs) Eric Johnson? Uh, EJ Jr. EJ Jr. Jr. Yeah. Yikes. So anyway, that's the story of Clyde Duncan. Clyde the Glide. The late Glade. Uh, he wasn't gliding much. He wasn't gliding okay, much. Okay, yeah. Okay. Finally catches a <laughs> touchdown pass. Last game. Last game of his career. Uh, Jim Hannafin's last game as head coach, 1985. Kevin Horrigan, the sports columnist for the Post-Dispatch at the time, is standing with Bill Bidwell in the end zone. It's the last minute of a game against Washington. And they throw a garbage-time touchdown pass to Clyde Duncan. And Kevin punches Bill Bidwell in the arm and says, See, wasn't that worth a million bucks? <laughs> oh, man. Mm, that's tough. Uh, those were the days. Hey, coming up, are we going to have a less compressive golf ball on PGA Tour courses from now on? There's a controversy about it. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Rory McIlroy is leading golf in average driving distance. Average driving distance at 326.6 yards per drive. Back when Jack Nicholas played, he hit 270, 280. The technology for clubs and golf balls is so incredible that the players have kind of outsized the golf courses now. And so the PGA has put forth a proposal to play a shorter golf ball. And here's Rory. Uh, after several players, including world number one John Rahm, criticized a proposal for a less uh, a, a, a less compressive ball, uh, Rory has determined that he is actually on board. Rahm said no, he doesn't like the idea, but Rory said for elite level play, I really like it, I really do. He said, I'm glad in the new proposal, they haven't touched the recreational golfer. I know that's a really unpopular opinion amongst my peers, but I think it's going to help identify who the best players are a bit easier. That's the bottom line, is if you can play a shorter course, if you if you can't drive a 360 yard hole, mm-hmm. I do think that that helps tell us who has the best short game and who plays the best scoring golf. 
Yeah, it, it helps. I mean, it, I think it, it, the only other option would be to create golf courses that are, are larger or longer, right? If you're going to play with the, the balls that they've been playing with. As you said, the technology and, and the, the ability of the athletes that are professional golfers has in, has changed so much in the last 20, 30 years. Guys are driving it further. And Rory's probably right. A, a golf ball that doesn't allow you to strike it 300 50, 360 mm-hmm. plus yards uh, really shows up who can really play this game because now you, you're, you're, everyone's going to have a I, but I do think it's a it's a bit of an unfair advantage because that was Tiger's gift right they it changed the courses ability, they tiger proofed courses <laughs> the ability to drive the ball as far as he did um, I, I can see it both ways it's it's a little difficult because you, you want guys that are able to drive to be able to have that advantage um, but in Rory's in Rory's opinion you know if we're all doing the same thing, let's let's see who can really play based off of our short game. Here's our friend, friend Jay Delsing's response to this proposal. And the biggest reason is it's making a lot of the, the, the best golf courses around the world kind of obsolete. And so what they're trying to do is try to keep those golf courses relevant. And then when, when you do that, I just want to give two sets of rules, one for the average player and one for the tour player. And it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare, and it's also taken away from a lot of the athleticism from the players. I mean, the guys are spending all this time in the gym trying to hit the ball as far as they can, and now they're going to try to take that away from them. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it's interesting, too, because Rory also said innovation is a part of every sport. It's a part of every industry. But whenever that innovation outgrows the footprint of the game, that's when I think we have a problem as to why he likes this but I also see Jay's point of any little tweak or any little change this completely could change a golfer's game and but at the same time do you do you grow with the innovation do you grow with the talent level because I mean think about it clubs used to be made with wood right right? Yep, right. <laughs> right and you had to you had to make changes over the years Tiger Woods came on the scene in the 90s things had to change as well because of the level the compete level that he was able to bring it makes sense that you probably do have to get to a point where you also change the ball as well. And I don't think it needs to be that dramatic. If you bring the average drive back from 326 of Rory McIlroy to, to 310 or 300, mm-hmm. I don't think that is that dramatic, but it does force people to use more of an iron game. I mean, when, when, when you can go driver pitching wedge on a 400-yard hole or driver approach wedge on a, on a 440-yard hole, I mean, that's just... It's too good. It's you're making the game too easy for those guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. There are limitations to certain golf clubs, right? You can't have right. a, a golf club that allows you to strike it 400 yards because it, that that would be unfair. So if there are limitations to the type of golf club, probably because these companies have become so intelligent mm-hmm. in how the aerodynamics, how how the golf ball, the spin rate, all of those things. Figuring out what is the best way to dial that back as well to make it an even playing field for everyone, I, I'm I'm okay with it. By the way, because of the fact that courses in like Bermuda played there and in um, in the Bahamas, they're landlocked. The courses are small, so they force you to use a lower compression ball. Mm-hmm. You can't hit it as far right. because real good golfers will hit it off the island. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the PGA Tour and whether or not they decide to do something do nothing or do something in between what they're proposing right now. That's today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk Blues hockey. The Blues in Detroit tonight and our buddy John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues on Valley Sports, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. at Detroit tonight, pregame at 5 here on your radio home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the TV voice of the St. Louis Blues, John Kelly, kind enough to join us as he does every Thursday morning. JK, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing much better, Randy. How are you today? Good. Yeah, you you uh, missed a game over the weekend, which never happens. Uh, and, and it's tough when, when you're in our business and, and the voice is not mm-hmm. always there. Well, you know, if you can't talk, it's hard to do the job, right? And it really is. And Sunday, um, you know, I had a you know mild case of COVID, but really a bad cold and just couldn't talk. And even the other night, um, Tuesday night, I really, really struggled with my voice. But it's getting better. And uh, I've been lucky, though. I've been broadcasting pro hockey for 40 years now, and that's only the third game I've ever missed wow. in 40 years. So I've been really, knock on wood, really lucky that I, I haven't missed more. John, I don't know if you got to catch the World Baseball Classic, but Connor McDavid making a comment last night that he wants something like that for hockey. Uh, obviously, we know that you know the World Cup didn't pan out for 2024. It sounds like he's really wanting something where you can get more attention like that for the NHL players. Well, obviously, Brooke, you know the league has done that before with World Cups, and and, and the players have played in the Olympics a couple of times, so. Um, it has happened, but because of circumstances, uh, of course, lately with COVID, um, the league was not able to go to the Olympics last year. So I understand the frustration of a player like McDavid, who's arguably the best player in hockey, and he sees what you know the World Baseball Classic does for the game and things like that. So you know, I really do feel like, especially the Olympics in the middle of the season, it's 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 a uh, you know, there's a lot of thought that. You know, both ways you could argue that they should go or shouldn't go. I mean, I mean, overall, it's it's you know great theater and drama, and the players are on a world stage. But uh, you know, the players do risk injury, and there really aren't any um, tangible benefits for the owners. But I think that obviously they would like to get back to the Olympics and get on a regular schedule of World Cups, and I think it's a good idea, and I think they should do that, and I think the league will do that. John, the Blues have seemed to be playing uh, a little bit better defensively. Is that just better effort, or is it more of a conscious decision to play with the detail uh, that they've been asked to do all season? Well, it's really the same, isn't it, right? I mean, either you want to play defense or you don't. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this a lot um, on my times on your your show, and I'm sure the other announcers have said the same thing. Um, you You know, scoring goals and things like that, um, it is a lot of will, but it's also a lot of skill. But as far as defense, it really is just all about effort. And, you know, if, if teams are going to have odd man breaks and you're going to turn pucks over in the neutral zone and, and not have the right coverage in front of your zone and, you know, block shots and all those little things, you're going to give up scoring chances and you're going to give up goals. And I think the Blues have done a better job of that in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, that's a positive. And it's hard to win games when you give up three, four goals a game. And the Blues, you know, going into the last game against the Red Wings, were averaging 
3.6 goals against per game, which is 26th in the NHL. So when you do that, you got to score four goals to win. So I don't need to tell you or the listeners how hard that is to do on a nightly basis. So to answer your question, Kerry, they have played better defensively, and it's really all about will and, and the desire to, to do that. Speaking of the defense, what have you thought about Joe Hofer in his first three starts? Uh, fantastic. Um, you know, two things stick out to me um, for, from Hofer's play. And, by the way, the game the other night, the two goals that he allowed in regulation, he had absolutely no chance on. He was sensational. I mean, he stopped, you know, 20 to 30 shots in regulation play. So he was great. But the two things that stick out to me is that he's very athletic and makes a lot of just athletic saves with his legs and his gloves and things like that. And the other thing is he seems to be a very confident player and a confident goaltender. Um, He doesn't seem to get rattled. He challenges well. He's aggressive. And his puck play is really, really good. Um, So those things to me stick out. It's obviously a very small sample size. He's only played in, what, five NHL games now? Um, But he looks to be a very impressive young prospect in goal for the Blues. J.K., one of the things that I think the Blues want to find out here down the stretch is what Jake Neighbors could be capable of at this level. From what you've seen of Neighbors from a skill position standpoint, what do you think that he could be? Well, Randy, I think that it's probably the jury is out on, 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 you know, projecting those type of things for a player like that. Um, I, I think that, as Coach Bruby has said in the past, you know, the details in his game are really good. You know, making the right play with the puck and taking the body and playing, being a good team player and things like that. Uh, you know, I think that he will either be a really good third-line left winger or perhaps a second-line left winger. I don't see him being a top left winger that can score, you know, 40 goals or more a year. He doesn't seem to have that type of skill. But he, he's only a young player, so it's really hard to right now say, you know, what his upside could be. Um, but I, I do think that he could be a, for sure a top-nine player. And, you know, how far up the ladder he goes, we'll see. Um, but he's a, he's a very nice young man. And again, his details in the game are really good. John, also, you know, we're seeing kind of, you know, the new wave of players coming in and the different lines shaking out. The lines that you kind of see now that Bruby has created, do you think that those will stay the same going into next season or do you foresee some changes happening this offseason? Well, boy, Brooke, that's a hard question. I I don't have a crystal ball. (laughs) You know, I I don't know. Um, Obviously, the Blues are tight against the cap, as, as we all know. Um, but, you know, Doug Armstrong at the deadline did say that, you know, looking at the lineup right now, you know, he probably is a center iceman short, but that's one of the reasons why they're experimenting with Buchnevich at center. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's been pretty interesting to see the play of Rana and Kapanen. I think the Blues have, have really found themselves a couple of players that, that could be top nine players next year and they basically got both of those guys for free so i mean great pickups by doug armstrong but you know it's one thing to do it in march on a team that you know isn't going to make the playoffs um and do it for a full year when you you obviously you want to have a good season and make the playoffs and go deep so it's it's probably easier for players like that to perform but I, i think that for sure the blues would probably look at adding you know, something up the middle next year um, in the off season. You know, who knows? Maybe O'Reilly comes back here, or maybe you know Barbara Shever or, or whatever. But 
Um, it's hard to project that. And, and obviously the Blues have three first-rounders coming up at the draft in Nashville. And who knows? I mean, maybe they you know, only use one of those picks or two, and then they trade you know, the, the other pick and something else for a, a player that's really good and, and can step in. So I think there are a lot of different ways the Blues could go. But my sense is that they would certainly try to, to add a little bit up front and who knows what happens on, on defense because a lot of those players obviously are tied into long-term contracts. John, uh, Bortuzzo and Scandella got goals uh, the last game, three goals between them on the season. Would you like to see the defensemen getting more involved offensively? Well, I think you always do carry. The Blues right now have 31 goals from their defense, which is basically middle of the pack. Last year they were fifth in, in goals from their D. Um, but, you know, obviously you're not going to really get many goals from Bortuzzo. We know that. He's a uh, stay-at-home defenseman and, you know, gives it every night and is a great penalty killer. But, you know, in today's game, with, with the way teams play defense and they, they, the coverage and things like that, and Detroit's a great example of if you watch their game the other night, you know, they pack things in in their own zone and they block a lot of shots and it's hard to score. So you need that second wave of offense from your defense. So, yeah, the Blues would like more goals from from the back end, um, but it's it's easier it's easier said than done is is basically the answer. But obviously, you'd love more goals from different areas. J.K., before we let you go, I know you'll love hearing this. Brooke started this conversation talking about Connor McDavid's comments about hockey emulating the uh, the World Baseball Classic, and this is uh, one of your dad's all time great iconic calls from the nineteen eighty seven Canada Cup. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. However, our fighter Ben has not answered the phone, so Rock is efforting a new fighter to see if we can uh, get someone on the line. Ben, ben what are you I doing? What, I don't know what Ben is doing. I mean, I... He did so good yesterday, too. He did too. a great job. And, and he, he's supposed to come back. He even texted back on the text line. Yep. We were waiting for you, Ben. We, we were prepared. And so he did not answer. And unfortunately, as the rules go, if you don't answer, you're out of there. It, yeah. It's one strike and you're out. So Josh is actually in today. Josh, congratulations. How are you doing? Doing good, Kerry. How about you? Doing great. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? I am. This is my second time. Let's go. All right, here we go. The last five opening days, the Cardinals have started Paul DeYoung at shortstop. Who started the year before before that at shortstop in 2017? <laughs> Was it Pete Cosma, Jed Jerko, or Ledmus Diaz? 2017. I remember Ledmus was kind of a one-hit wonder. I kind of feel like it was earlier than that. I'm going to go Jed Jerko. Which goaltender holds the Blues franchise record with 25 shutouts? Yaroslav Halak, Brian Elliott, or Jake Allen? Hmm. You guys do this question often. I should know this. I'm going to go Brian Elliott. All right, Josh. 
Happy birthday to St. Louis native, World Series champ, and thrower of a no-hitter and perfect game, Mark Burley. Which AL squad did he throw his perfect game against? Was it the Toronto Blue Jays, the Texas Rangers, or the Tampa Bay Rays? All right, this is a shot in the dark. Let's go Texas Rangers. Four Leaf pitchers have won the MVP in Major League Baseball history. Jim Constantine in 1950, Rolly Fingers in 81, Willie Hernandez in 84, and who is the fourth and last reliever to do it? Dennis Eckersley, Eric Gagne, Steve Bedrosian. Uh, I don't think Gagne won one. I'm going to go Eckersley. All right, we'll double-check the score and bring in Randy Carricker. Josh, how you feeling? Uh, not, not as good. You know, once we get further into baseball season here, I start to feel better, but we'll see. Okay, well, I mean, you know, that, that sounds like a – 50-50 shot there. What did Randy brought in a bag of goodies? Wait, somebody this, did text it in that they were going to bring us stuff Wally's from Wally's. Popcorn. Okay. Wally's popcorn. Okay. Wally's. Got, and, and thank you cards. Mess with thank some, you from mess with some Wally's popcorn. Oh, I your love friends Wally's. At Wally's. That they is must a, have heard that I was wearing a hat the other day. I freaking <laughs> love that place. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> popcorn for you kids. That is very nice of them. Thank you so much for visiting Wally's and sharing your guests with uh, your guests yesterday. We look forward to your next visit. And yes, Carrie, we have EV. <laughs> Please enjoy some popcorn and jerky. <laughs> Just not so much that you go blind. Your friends at Wally's. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious. <laughs> we greatly oh, appreciate that. That is amazing. awesome. Yep. Randy, say hello to Josh. Ben didn't answer the phone, so he's out. And so Josh <laughs> answered. He's in. Say hello. Josh, welcome. I'm glad you have guts. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> yeah, you, thanks, Randy. Good luck to you. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, good to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, here we go. Yes. The last five opening days, the Cardinals have started Paul DeYoung at shortstop. Who started the year before that at shortstop in 2017? 2017. Sunday night opener against the Cubs. Went with my daughter. Drove her back to Bradley after the game, actually. And uh, Blues had played an afternoon game, so we did Blues afternoon, Cardinals at night. And you had Johnny Peralta at third. You had Aledmus Diaz at short. You had uh, Jed Jerko at second base. I think you had Marp at first. Grichik, Fowler, maybe Piscotti, and Yachty behind the plate. Here's a better question, Randy. Who didn't start? That thing... <laughs> Who was on the mound in 2017? You know, I don't think it was Adam. <laughs> I don't think it was Wayno. I don't remember who. Oh. Hey, 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 finally, but we got him. Okay. They pitched well, whoever it was. It, <laughs> they was won. it was a really good game. Oh, went, wow. went late. Yeah, that actually was the year after Wayno started four straight. It was it was the first of two back-to-back no, starts. No, no, no opening day a, for Carlos Martinez. Carlos. Oh. Okay, there you go. Good game, though. So, Aledmus Diaz is your final answer? Uh, yes, I'm going with Lebanon's Diaz at shortstop okay. that day. Cool. Which goaltender holds the Blues franchise record with 25 shutouts? I have a dog named after this guy, Brian Elliott Moose. So we got <laughs> Moose Aww. on the day that uh, Brian Elliott got benched, oh, and that no. was his last playoff series for the Blues. <laughs> that yeah. stinks. Yeah. But good for your moose. moose, moose not for that moose. Hanging yeah, in. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Good for your yeah, moose. That, that moose didn't hang in very well. But the Blues got the pick that they took Jordan Cairo with for him. Oh, well. Right, Elliot. Yeah. All things working out in the future. Happy birthday to St. Louis native and World Series champ. Throw of a no-hitter in perfect game, Mark Burley. Which AL squad did he throw his perfect game against? I love Mark Burley. He's, he's my guy. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. Uh, that was against the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe. 
He listens a lot. He and his family. If Shout there's a Marley member that's uh, that's listening, just text in 314-399-9646. We love your family. Big dog guy. Burley's a big dog guy. We love dog people. Yes, we do. Four relief pitchers have won the MVP in Major League Baseball history. Jim Constantine in 1950, Rolly Fingers in 81, Willie Hernandez in 84. And who is the fourth and last reliever to do it? Last. So, Constantine, Rolly Fingers, Willie Hernandez. Um, I'm going to make this easy because of time constraints. I'll do the lifeline. So I don't have to think about it. Okay. Your options are Dennis Eckersley, Eric Gagne, Steve Bedrosian. It was not Steve Bedrosian. I think in 1990, Eck may have won. One year he had a 0.45 earned run average. Pretty darn good. That's not bad. Not, not bad at all. I'm going to go with Eck. You know, coming into the fight on a, on a short notice like Josh did cannot be easy. You, you, you're getting the call in the middle of it. The, the, the sounder's already played. You're in the middle of the fight. Now you're going to come in and go up against Megamind. It's a tough one. Josh put up a pretty good fight. Was it enough to take down Randy Carricker? Was it enough to take down Megamind? Or are we going to potentially, for the third time in the last like eight fights, have a fighter go for a second round and then not answer their phone call tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Ring <laughs> that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. I forgot how to do that. <laughs> there you go, Josh. You got two right, but unfortunately, Randy Carricker did, in fact, hit the jack. He got all four correct in today's fight. Yeah, Rock, I almost didn't answer the phone because I'm like, well, I got the fight on. I don't want to miss it. <laughs> well, like I said, thank you very much for stepping up, Josh. It, it, it was a tough one today, and let's go through those answers. The last five opening days, the Cardinals have started Paul DeYoung at the shortstop spot. We all expect tech to change. I mean, he's not going to be healthy. And so who started the year before his first start in 2017? It was, in fact, Miss Diaz who started at shortstop, which goaltender holds the Blues record with 25 shutouts in their career. It is, in fact, Brian Elliott. And happy birthday. Birthday to St. Louis native, World Series champ, and thrower of a no-hitter and a perfect game, Mark Burley. He threw that perfect game uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays July 23rd, 2009. And four relief pitchers have won the MVP in MLB history. Costanti, the only NL guy to do it in 1950. And then you have Raleigh Fingers in 81, Willie Hernandez in 84. In 1992, Dennis Eckersley becoming the fourth and final to do it. A 4-2 win for Randy Carricker on the fight again. Josh, thank you so much for joining the fight today. Yeah, uh, great time, and thanks uh, to you all, as always, for helping us get through our day. <laughs> we appreciate yeah, that very much. Job, Thank Josh. you. I was wondering, do you think when they – I used to watch – what time is it? Hey, make sure I know what time it is. Make sure I know what time it is before I say what I – make sure the kids are in school. Yeah. So I used to miss class sometimes in, in, in college. Just miss it. You know, oh, we all did. But I, I would miss it, but I would watch The Price is Right. And I, oh, I just yeah. popped into my head, does – when, when 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 the texter gets the phone call, is that like equivalent to the the the, the player? Come at the on pri- down. Come on down. Like yeah, is, that, is. is that equivalent to that? Do yeah. they feel that that rush of energy? They must. <laughs> I, I would think so. Yeah. By the way, that Eck year, nineteen ninety, he had a zero point six one earned run average, and uh, Eck was amazing. Let's see, seventy three and a third innings pitched that year, and he had four walks. <laughs> four yeah. all year. For all year, is uh, he had pretty good control? Is Mariano Rivera regarded, re- regardless of everything, the best closer ever? Best closer ever. It, who, yeah. who is second? 
Is it is it Eckersley? You know, I, Trevor Hoffman has the second most saves. Mm-hmm. If you're going to ask me who I would rather have pitching a ninth inning mm-hmm. than anybody else other than Mariano Rivera, I'd say Bruce Suter. Okay. Oh. Yeah, he was dominant. When he came into the game, it was over. Trevor Hoffman was uh, yeah. he's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, Creighton getting ready to continue in the NCAA basketball tournament against Princeton and St. Louis. Ryan Kalkbrenner of Creighton joins us next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker and it's a, a, it's a pleasure to welcome to the show and back to St. Louis, Trinity Product and the Center for Creighton, Ryan Kalkbrenner. Ryan, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good. Now, Ryan, you all have uh, been doing really well in the tournament, got into the Sweet 16, beat a North Carolina State team, beat a Baylor team, but you all are going to be facing a Princeton team uh, that took down the number two Arizona Wildcats and then the Missouri Tigers. What have you seen from them, and, and what do you expect in this game coming up next week? Um, I mean, there's really, really, really good team. You don't really you don't really make the Sweet 16 without being super good, but uh uh, so far, what I've seen from them, they're just super disciplined. And, you know, they're not going to make a mistake. They're going to wait for you to make a mistake and capitalize on it. So I think the big part for us is just matching that discipline and uh, being ourselves. Ryan, did you guys review what happened in that Mizzou-Princeton game? And are you taking notes of what not to do that Mizzou did? Uh, yeah, we're taking a little bit from the Mizzou game, but more so just from the whole season that's combined for Princeton. I mean, just like I said, a really good team, so there's a lot to take away from their games and learn from. Creighton 7-1 center Ryan Kalkbrenner with us on 101 ESPN. And Ryan, you're a two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. You were the Field of 68th National Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, being 7-1 plays a role in that, but where did you get your defensive intensity? Um, I don't know. I think that's just the... I was never, I wasn't always like a really good offensive player, so I kind of had to be good at something. So I just kind of fell in love with defense, and I don't know, I just had a little knack for it. And obviously, I'm not the most athletic guy in the world, but I don't kind of know where to be most of the time. And being, like you said, seven foot helps a lot. But uh, I mean, it's just. I don't know. I love defense more than offense, so I guess that's part of where it comes from. Now, Ryan, I'm looking at this list. There are a few names on this list that have been Big East uh, Defensive Player of the Year more than once. Uh, there's a Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe <laughs> Mutombo. All those guys are seven-footers. Are, are you When you hear your name being mentioned with some of those guys, legendary centers that have played the game, do you still get kind of excited to hear that uh, mentioned with your name? I mean, yeah, it's, it's like still crazy. I mean, I never would have thought like my name would be in the same sentence as those guys and it's like obviously those guys are legends in basketball and just to kind of be in that same category is is crazy and a big honor now you're we're talking a lot about you defensively but i'm looking against that nc state game you had a career high 31 points what was that like for you and what happened in that game uh i mean I don't know. I think all of a sudden I looked up and after the game and they said I had 30. I was like, that's kind of crazy because <laughs> I don't think 
I don't think I had scored 30 points since grade school. <laughs> so, so uh, no, that was just definitely a lot of fun. I mean, Mac did a great job of recognizing that I was making shots and putting me in good position to get more shots. So, I know it was a lot of fun. Hey, Ryan, when you were either playing AAU ball or for Jeff McCaw over at Trinity, have you ever told a coach that you like defense better than offense? And if so, what was the reaction of the coach that you said that to? Um, I don't know if I've ever like specifically said that, although I think most of my coaches could tell. Like Even with, uh, I played with Mac Irvin at AAU, and they kind of knew I liked defense. They let me do my thing on defense, and uh, I didn't shoot the ball very much on that team, which was fine by me. I'd, but, I mean, I feel like all my coaches could tell I really took pride in defense more than offense. And by the way, offensively, you are leading the nation in field goal percentage at 70.6, <laughs> so it's not like the offense is completely invisible. Uh, I, I like to think if I'm shooting the ball by the rim every time, I should make <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you being a, a young man from St. Louis, was there a little bit of excitement to probably play Missouri in the tournament? And, and how was your family going to feel uh, Creighton going against Mizzou? I'm sure a lot of them are Mizzou fans. <laughs> um, I mean, looking ahead at that a few days ago when they were about to play Princeton, I was like, that would be a lot of fun. But, uh, my family's more slew fan, so mm-hmm. I don't think they would have been split too bad. But. I got you. <laughs> and who was a player maybe that you looked up to growing up here in St. Louis? Um, I said my favorite player, like in the NBA, was Dirk, but I couldn't be any more different than him. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. But I don't really like try to model my game after anyone else's. I just kind of try to be me. So one of my good friends, Mike Grimes, actually went to Creighton. He's from Hazelwood Central. He wanted me to tell you that he is still the best player from Florissant that has worn a Creighton uniform. I, I just I just had to throw that out there for you. Mike MG texted me and said, man, make sure you let him know that. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Uh, I think if we win another game or two here in March Madness, that'll earn me the title. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey Ryan, as uh, you went through the the recruiting process, you mentioned that your family is SLU fans. Was St. Louis interested, and how did you wind up going to Creighton? What what caused you to make that decision? Uh, SLU was interested. They did end up offering me, but uh, it was a little later in the process, and I'd already visited Creighton, and I don't know. The, the family environment here at Creighton was really, really special, and it's it's been the best choice I've ever made in my life because it's a perfect place for me here. So, how do you guys kind of handle this situation right now? Are you like looking ahead, saying, "Okay, we need to make it over here. Our goal is getting to the Final Four, winning the national championship." How are you guys handling in the locker room to just kind of stay in the moment and not let things get too big? Uh, I mean, it's going to sound easier said than done, but I mean, just taking it one game at a time. You can't look ahead to the next game until you win the game in front of you. So, I mean, we just focus on the one in front of us, try to get that done, and then turn our attention to the next one. So why do you think that Creighton can advance past a red-hot Princeton team? Um, I just think as the season's gone along here at Creighton, we've gotten super, super close as a group. And I think when games get really close and really tight at the end, the teams that are super close and well put together are the teams that come out on top a lot. And I think this group has that kind of it factor about itself. Right. And I pulled that off. Ryan, you all haven't gone on spring break yet, have you? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> what was the experience like coming back to campus, knowing that you all had another weekend of games in you, uh, being in the Sweet 16? How was the experience of all your friends that are on campus when you all returned? 
Uh, I mean, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I mean, there was a bunch of people congratulating you and all that. And, you know, you got to take it and say thank you, but there's still more games to be played. So, I mean, it was a lot of fun and we enjoy it, but I got to focus on this next game. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Ryan, one other thing. And uh, before we started recording, we were talking about Princeton and we talked a lot about them during the interview. But one thing that became clear in watching them against Arizona and against Mizzou is they took those two teams out of their game. They they played at Princeton's tempo. How do you guys handle that? How do you deal with the, what Princeton wants to do? And it's not like they used to be where they won 40 to 38, but how do you deal with the, handling the, the tempo that Princeton wants to play? Um, I think we obviously try to play really fast, and I think that's going to be a big part if we can get that going our game, getting up and down a little more and making Princeton feel uncomfortable. But uh, I think I compare that a little bit to how Villanova plays and how they try to slow the game down. So we have a little bit of experience handling teams like that and trying to get the pace going in our direction. But I think that would be a big key is instead of Princeton taking us out of our tempo, we can take Princeton out of theirs. And oh, by the way, Princeton out-rebounded Mizzou 44-30, to I think 16-8 to on the offensive boards. With you at center, that's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> uh, no, we're going we're gonna to win the rebounding battles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're excited about watching you and, and Creighton against Princeton. Ryan, thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Hopefully we'll see you in the Elite Eight, and then hopefully we'll see you in the Final Four. We'd love to see a St. Louis kid there. Hopefully I'll be there. Thank you, guys. All right, Ryan, thanks. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Ryan Kalkbrenner, the center for Creighton. They go against Princeton in the NCAA tournament's third round. Coming up, we've got the Rush Hour Reset. We'll tell you what the Cardinals did yesterday, a little bit about the lineup today, plus some locks for the NCAA tournament today. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to break down the biggest sports story of the day on the opening drive with today's big thing. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. Time for our Rush Hour Reset at 9.04. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Take a look at some of the big stories of the day. Brooke, Carey, and Randy, and Cardinals with a nil-nil draw against Miami yesterday down in Florida. Jordan Montgomery, five scoreless innings. He allowed six hits, struck out one, didn't walk anybody. Then Ryan Helsley with a very clean inning. Hicks allowed one hit in his inning of work. Pallante went an inning. He walked one and struck out one. Verhagen with an inning. He struck out one. And the Cardinals play to a 5-5 tie with Miami. Cardinals today against the Yankees down in Jupiter. That'll be fun for all the folks that are down in Jupiter right now. And uh, the Redbirds trying to get back on the winning track, and uh, Tommy Edmond leading off and playing shortstop today. Most of the players, by the way, are back in the lineup. Good for them. Good that everyone is back. You know, everyone came back healthy. I think that was main the main concern of all of the players that were going to play in the World Baseball Classic. You know, not getting injured, not having to miss any time uh, for the Cardinals opening day in regular season. And so that was one of the most important things. Everyone comes back healthy, and now we can see you know, this lineup start to come to form with all participants yeah. in it. 
I I was surprised that Lars is actually going to be back out there, but I like that because he knows that there's still a competition going on here with the Cardinals. He, what, whatever he did with the World Baseball Classic, that was great. Obviously, celebration at the end there, but he knows coming back to the Cardinals, he has to solidify his spot. Yep, and here is the lineup today. Edmund at short, O'Neill hitting second in center field. O'Neill in center field, yes. Goldie at first. And then you've got Contreras hitting fourth today. Arenado is out of the lineup. Carlson is in right field. Walker is DHing and hitting sixth. You've got Lars in left field hitting seventh. Mason went at second base today, hitting eighth. And Brendan Donovan is playing third base with Arenado out. And he is hitting ninth. Steven Matz on the mound for the Redbirds. I find it notable that Mason Wynn is getting time at second base. It really is. Uh, I, I was actually pretty surprised by that. I don't know if that's something that they're planning on or they're just getting some looks there for him. I don't know. I wonder who they evaluate right now, if you're trying to win in 2023, as the better defensive shortstop between Wynn and Edmund. Is that a, I mean, is there a question in time? I mean, I think it's... It, Ultimately, Wynn's going to be the guy. Based on what we've seen and what we've heard, we, we know Mason Wynn has, has all of the intangibles to be you know, go down as a very, very good shortstop in this game. And, and the arm strength, when you compare him to one Sean Dunstan as, as the best arm since then, that, that is a, a rocket. Like, that's a guy that can, yeah. can get it there quickly. So him playing second base does is a little bit surprising because, you know, it's not as a, not as important to have that strong of an arm from, uh, from second base. But man, maybe they're just trying to evaluate all aspects of the game. Yeah. Well, and also, I don't know if you guys – he had that – beautiful double play yesterday too I don't know if you guys saw that and I was like oh, that would look nice here soon in the majors for the Cardinals yeah it'd be good to have wouldn't it mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile the Yankees have brought a lot of their really good players across the state which is great uh, Anthony Volpe is going to play shortstop he'll lead off Labor Torres is in Jupiter he's their DH Anthony Rizzo is playing first Stanton is their right fielder today he's hitting fourth Oswaldo Cabrera is at third Aaron Hicks is in center and then they have Oswald Peraza. So they have Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza. Peraza hitting seventh. Jose Trevino, their catcher, hitting eighth. And Willie Calhoun is hitting ninth. No Aaron Judge. No judge. But still a pretty good lineup for fans down in Jupiter to see. The NCAA tournament resumes today, tonight actually, with four games. You've got Michigan State and Kansas State at six uh, at 5.30. Arkansas and UConn at 6.15. Florida Atlantic and Tennessee at 8. And Gonzaga and UCLA playing at 8.45. All right, we need some locks. If people are going to grab their phone, mm-hmm. hop on the old FanDuel Sportsbook, what do you got, Brooke? Uh, so what I have... Two locks each. Two locks each. Okay, so this is going to be my safe one. Uh, Tennessee and Florida Atlantic. Honestly, going into this tournament, I didn't have Tennessee even making it this far because you lost Sakai Ziegler. I think that's how you say his last name. And with that injury as a torn ACL, I thought they were done because he was their leading scorer. But the way that they were able to, you know, execute things defensively against Duke, I have them as a log easily moving forward. Now, this is kind of my one where it could go a million different ways, but I think it might be one of the most interesting games today. That's Arkansas and UConn. I like what Arkansas is doing right now, too. And also, I'm going to point to Devontae Davis. Defensively, he's been really good for the Razorbacks. I'm looking at him to really throw UConn off of their game. I'm going to go with Arkansas in that one. 
Uh, for me, it's going to be UCLA as a team that I, I picked in one of my brackets. I did four. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> one of my brackets. This is a bracket of integrity, though. Indeed, because this is the one that I think that yeah. is going to pan out the way it should. Uh, I picked UCLA to win. And so I think that UCLA playing today against Gonzaga is a win for them. They are a team that just constantly does what they need to do. And, and a very good basketball team, number two seed, playing against Gonzaga, number three seed. I, I choose them. Uh, my my next pick is probably a little bit more surprising. I'm not going to go with the, the standard four over the nine. I'm going to go in, in a different direction and take Michigan State over Kansas State. Tom Izzo is a guy... For whatever reason, he can have all of the issues. Team cannot be playing well. I, I listened to him the other day on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, and he talked about the Big Ten as a whole. The Big Ten has not won a national championship in the NCAA tournament since 2000, since his team won. And, and they asked him, why is that? And he said, I think it's because we beat up on one another all season long, and, and then you get a Purdue team who he thought was going to be a really good team in the tournament, gets ousted in the first round by Fairleigh Dickinson. But this Michigan State team, as much as people uh, are, are frustrated with the, the way that Tom Izzo at times goes after his players, he has hard-nosed players that when it comes tournament time, they're going to play defense, they're going to rebound, and they're going to execute offensively. And so I think Michigan State is a team, wins today, has an opportunity to win again on Saturday and be in that Final Four. All right, and guys, I look at UCLA – and they, during the course of the regular season, had the sixth best defense in all of college basketball. And I think that continues today. I think UCLA, I'm with you, CD. I've got them knocking off Gonzaga later tonight. And Brooke, for many of the same reasons that you picked Tennessee, I'm going to go with the, the Vols as well. This is the time of year where defense really plays. Yes. UCLA, the number six defense in the country. Tennessee, the number three defense in the country. Both of these teams are locked in defensively. So I'm with Brooke with Tennessee over Florida Atlantic. And by the way, I think they cover that five by a wide margin. And then I'm going to take UCLA over Gonzaga, which, by the way, could wind up. Gonzaga's really good, but I, I and it could wind up being a really great game. But I like UCLA to be able to hold them down at the end. Yeah. I, I, like I said, UCLA is a, is a team that I think is a uh, – I don't know if you can be under the radar when you're a two-seed, but I think they have kind you, of been – never see them. You never get to see them. And, and so they are a team that has been sort of under the radar. And, and uh, I mean, they were in the bracket with Kansas. People thought Kansas was going to be able to te- – the team that came out mm-hmm. of that, that bracket, uh, that, that west western side of it. So, you know, I think they're a good team. We'll see. And that's why I was thinking Devontae Davis, too, with a big game for Arkansas. Defensively, he's been really good in this tournament so far. He's been huge for the Razorbacks. Yeah. So uh, should we also bet on if there's going to be a shirtless muscleman, as we were talking oh, about earlier? Uh, a win. Oh, oh, Over, win. under on that? Oh, a win, the shirt comes off. Yeah. Oh, okay. A win. Yes. Win or loss. Win. Win or Win or loss. He goes yeah. losing. He's going to rip it off and fight somebody in the locker room. Is, is break the, his arm. You know, just the <laughs> usual. Is, is Izzo the coach today that we would most prefer to not be shirtless? Oh. oh. I'm not going to judge anyone's. You know, any man's. Eh, what, what was it? Eli Drinkwitz on. said that he said that I don't think anybody wants to see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, you've you've got uh, Texas is great, mm-hmm. and, and they fired their coach during the season, Chris Beard. He's going to go back to the NCAA tournament with Mississippi State. Shaka Smart, great run. Mm-hmm. He left Texas to go to Marquette. And how did Texas fire Rick Barnes? What were they thinking? I don't know. Texas is a interesting place. Both. Football and basketball. Yeah, they, 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 for as much as they talk, 
You would think they do a little bit. Yeah, do do better. A little bit more. Be, yeah. be, be more than what they are. Huh? It, it's kind of weird to have an athletic department that doesn't realize that only one team can win every year. Mm, yeah, they got to figure it out. Yeah. Something. <laughs> Coming up on 101 ESPN, and by the way, that's your rush hour reset here on the opening drive. We're going to talk so Oh, uh, oh uh, John Den reporting that Adam Wainwright will open the season on the injured list. Oh. Mm. Uh, oh. Per Ali Marmol, Marmol again, John Denton reporting groin strain for Adam Wainwright. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Well, that that would keep him out just temporarily. Right. But that's you you got to be careful with that, Any especially at his age. Groin, hamstring, that. that. Those are the 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 things that scare you because you never really feel you it, you you think the doctor's telling you oh yeah you're good to go but yeah okay try running on this it, it doesn't feel good it the, tried, the intensity that those guys were going with in the in the classic right is not spring training intensity yeah. they they were not ramping up they just went from probably fifteen to a hundred yeah. in a blink yeah. Well, I also wonder, okay, so you have Jake Woodford, obviously, sliding in there. He's done really well. Do you bring back Matthew Libitor? Call him up? I consider it. I have, to, I have to look at that. What, did As you being say, the sixth swingman, just yeah. depending on how long he's going to be out, I yeah. guess, too. Whoever was in Memphis planning to start that day would be the, the sixth starter. Yeah, if somebody goes down during the, during season, the season, the person who's this, scheduled to pitch at Memphis in that slot will right. be called up. Does general. this count as that? Yeah, but now that you have, you still have a week, nine mm-hmm. days, you can set things up so that, and I, I haven't, even really, haven't even really looked closely at the first time the Cardinals need a fifth starter. Is he, how frustrated is Wayno? Because yeah. we know he wanted to start opening, opening day. day. Yeah, he's got to be frustrated. Yeah. 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 And I guess Michaelis will get the opening day start. That just makes sense to me. Man. So Wayno starting the season on the IL. Little scoop for you there on uh, today's Rush Hour Reset. Coming up next, we're going to talk some blues hockey with our buddy Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. of The Athletic is with us now. He's our Blues Insider, and he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, JR. How you doing? Good morning, good morning. That's bummer news uh, with uh, Wainwright, son of a gun. That'd be a great uh, aspect of opening day with him on the mound, and I guess uh, he's going to miss a little time, huh? Yeah, groin injury, and I would think at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, that is a bummer. Hey, you did such a great piece on the Blues putting together the tribute video for David Braun, and by the way, Blue Note Productions and our buddy Trevor Nickerson and Chris Pinker, that that whole gang, they do such cool work. But then you got to see it behind the scenes. What was that like? Yeah, it's great. Uh, I've been friends with uh, Trevor and some of the people in that department for quite a long time, and I'm always uh, just wowed by what they do. Uh, You you go to every single event, whether it be a a signing, a press conference, a game, and they just have cameras everywhere. And, you know, these days, as you guys well know, Brooke knows, they got the specialty cameras that give you the slow-mo highlights so on and so forth. So I've always wanted to sit down with those guys and see how they work. It's it's really interesting. So I was able to do that a week or so ago, go down there twice and, and sit in the editing room and, and watch them put together the David Perron video and just the cuts, the edits, what music hits with what highlight, when do you bring in the play-by-play announcer, so on and so forth. It was a thrill to sit there and watch them do their magic. But then the biggest thrill to actually be in the building 
when it comes up on the Jumbotron, Randy, and see David Prawn's reaction to all the hard work that they put in was just uh, incredible. Yeah, I don't think people realize just how quickly that all comes together, too, and how many people it takes. Well, J.K., I was going to I was meant to say I talked to J.K. earlier about this and I wanted to get your take on. It. I know that they're coming off of a loss, but still, you've seen some recent success with this line combination that Baruby has kind of come up with. What do you think about the line staying the same moving forward next season or do you foresee some changes? Yeah, he talked yesterday, Brooke, about just experimenting down the stretch here and, and seeing what works. And so I think uh, what we'll see tonight in Detroit, it looks like Jake Neighbors will be on that top line with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. It looks like you'll have uh, Buchnevich centering that third line, Blay on one side, Kapanen on the other. Uh, and then uh, on that other line, you're going to see uh, Vrana on the right side. He's been playing primarily the left side uh, with the Blues since he came over. But uh, Craig Bruby said yesterday at practice he wants to see what he looks like on the right side. So you know, maybe if they get into a groove and play well, you might see the same lines for a couple of games. But I think down the stretch, these last 10 or so, it'll be more about experimenting. Have you talked to Pavel Buchnevich and even Barubi about him staying in that position moving forward? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, not so much uh, Pavel, but uh, talking to Barubi, he really likes him at center. He really likes that 200-foot game. And, you know, I know that uh, they're going to work on the faceoffs, and they have gotten better. Uh, but I just think with his all-around game and, and how he's developed it over the past couple of years, I remember when I wrote the story about him coming to St. Louis, I talked to his coach uh, with the Rangers at the time, David Quinn, and he said that uh, this is a guy who's reaching that prime of his career. He can be that type of player. And so I think when you lose a Ryan O'Reilly, if you can plug in a guy who gets after it at both ends like Buchnevich, it's definitely worth taking a look at, and so I think that's why where we'll see him uh, down the stretch. JR, you've been around Brew before a while now. What has his mood been like the last couple of weeks? It's actually been really good, Kerry, and you know, I think when I say that, I want to be clear here that he is ultra-competitive, always wants to win. He's always trying to you know, make any sort of move, change, whatever that's going to help the team win, but at the same time, he understands the situation that the Blues are in. He really does, so uh, what I see Kerry and Craig Berube postgame is a guy who's lamenting mistakes, uh, bummed out that, you know, uh, it didn't get fixed or, or go a different direction. And uh, But then you keep hearing what he's saying is uh, we want to teach. We want to teach, teach, teach. And then the next day you show up at practice and they're hammering home a point that Craig Berube was talking about the night before that they didn't do so well. So, you know, I know there's people who uh, love Craig Berube, want him to continue to be the coach of this team. There's others who say, uh, maybe not so, uh, but just uh, as a person who's down there at the rink watching the games, watching the practices, uh, he's really hammering a lot of these points home and trying to get this team better. Does it feel like there's more buy-in now as it as it as as opposed to what it was earlier in the season? Well, I suppose the only thing with that is the circumstances are so completely different that, you know, you know are, you, are they buying in? Are they doing the things that he's saying? Well, yeah, because they want to be part of, of getting this thing turned around. I don't think any of them want to be uh, doing this still in two or three years. You know, they want to show Doug Armstrong and show Craig Berube that, hey, we can we can get back in this. You know, let's let's look at the roster next year if we need to add or uh, do something to the roster to make us better. That's what we want to do. And, you know, I think the other part of that is you bring in a couple guys like Rana and Kapanen who are hungry and they start to play well. Well, now all these guys who are in the system and thought they might have a spot this year or next year, and now those spots are getting gobbled up, they've got to play better if they want to be in the lineup. So I think that kind of changes the element of the situation, too. JR, do you think the Blues' opinion of Jake Neighbors has changed at all because of the injuries that he's dealt with this season? 
Yeah, I'm going to write a little bit about him, I think, uh, for tomorrow uh, fairly soon. I talked to Craig Bruby about him yesterday. I don't think the injuries change anything. I just think the fact that, you know, you're talking about a prospect who uh, past couple of years, you know, he's with the Blues, then he's down in junior, Randy, and then he comes up and, and just about the time they, they make the trades with uh, O'Reilly and Tarasenko, there's going to be some opportunity for Jake, and then he has the upper body injury. You know, Jake said yesterday, and Kerry, you've probably heard this a million times, he said the best ability in the world is to, to be uh, availability, and uh, he's got to be available. So uh, he's looking forward to getting on that line tonight with uh, Kairou and Thomas. Yesterday, Randy, he was talking about uh, he can be that forechecker. He can help create uh, for that line. And, and big picture, I asked Craig Bruby yesterday, do you still see him as a potential top six guy? Is he a top nine guy? Where do you see Jake Neighbors in the future? And Craig Ruby said, you know, he's got to show that. That development's got to be there. If he can be a finisher, if he can put in goals around the net because, uh, you know, he doesn't have the distance game, he's not going to one-shot offense you, uh, then he can be that top six player still is what Craig Ruby believes. And he's already going to be 21 next week, so we better start picking it up. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> isn't it? Sometimes you sit here and you, you think about these guys and, hey, what's going on? I remember when Clint Costin was nineteen twenty, people were saying, come on, what has taken so long? Uh, and then, there we were a couple years later, and, you know, he didn't quite still develop at that point. But but it is amazing when you think about a guy like Jake Neighbors, who we've been talking about for a couple of years, only being 21. That kind of reminds me of what Barovi kind of said to Robert Thomas prior to him getting that big contract, right? Yeah, it really does. And I think that uh, you look at a guy like Robert Thomas Brook, who you know that uh, when he came in the league, he had a lot of success in, in junior hockey. And then, of course, wins the Stanley Cup that first year with the St. Louis Blues. I mean, it's nothing but experience with him. But even him moving forward, look, you don't have a turn, turn your shoulder and there's Ryan O'Reilly. And, and I think that uh, Robert Thomas is kind of going through that now and, and realizes this is a big opportunity for him to step forward and be a, a leader on this team. And, and then when you look at uh, him, what is he, 24? Like that's, that's uh, other than the, the elder statesmen like the Fox and the uh, Shans and those types of guys. I mean, that's like an older kid now uh, in terms of Robert Thomas where he's at. So pretty amazing. Connor McDavid coming out with some comments about the World Baseball Classic and how he would like to see that for hockey. Hockey hasn't had a best-on-best tournament since 2016 with World Cup of Hockey in Toronto. What are your thoughts on that, and do you think that would be really helpful for growing the game? Because, of course, you had the 2018 Olympics and then you had 2022, but they were prohibited from participating. For sure, for sure, for sure. It's so disappointing, and I realize you know what the league and, and what the owners will tell you it's hard to build it into the schedule uh, in the NHL. It's just so disappointing. If you forget about all that for a minute, you know, the fact that you could have some of these young players like McDavid go through the, the big portion of their career, even the prime of their career, and only play in, in one Olympic or, uh, you know, not play in, in these World Cup of hockeys because the NHL and the Players Association couldn't get together and, and, and have it, you know, just because of their disagreements in the past, getting the CBA together, so on and so forth. So I think we will have a World Cup of Hockey, but it looks like it's been put off a couple of years. Uh, but you have to have it. I think any, any situation where you're looking at lost revenue for the league or potential injuries for some of these guys, and then they have to come back to their NHL teams, it's more than made up for it with the eyes that get on uh, the game when you're talking about uh, all the world's best players involved. So definitely have to do it. And the World Baseball Classic is the prime example. JR, one last thing. Going back to the videos the teams make, you think the Sabres made one for for Yarrow Halak? 
<laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! He was there for That's, five days and didn't play a game for him. I didn't know if they <laughs> if they had any, enough video of him. Yeah, and then on the reverse uh, of that, Randy, uh, something that I didn't put in the story just because I couldn't nail it down, but David Prawn's been back three times, and I think that was the first video they had for him. I just think because of the uh, circumstances, whether the team he went to, whether it be Pittsburgh or Anaheim or Edmonton, you know, maybe they didn't come back and play the Blues that year, but you think about coming back three times, uh, there could have been a situation where you had three welcome back videos. Right. But, uh, <laughs> Just just the one, and it was a good one. It was fantastic. And a great piece. We advise everybody, if they haven't subscribed to The Athletic, to, to do so. Kerry, one more thing. JR, did you fill out a bracket? Are you are you in tune to the NCAA tournament? I did. I did, Kerry. I did two of them. And, oh, my gosh, it was toast. I know everybody <laughs> talked about that. Oh, I, you know, my bracket's done with. But, I mean, wasn't it more so this year than any other year? I mean, it was just like... I don't even felt like I got to the second round where I cared about my bracket. Yeah, it, it was really bad. Randy made a comment earlier. You are more likely to be the president of the United States than to fill out a perfect bracket. Yes. Yeah. And it's been proven, I guess. <laughs> it's the worst situation, too, because who's in your bracket? It's always going to be your buddies in your bracket, right? So I'll just be working on a blue story. All of a sudden, I get a text message. Hey, looking at the standings here, like, what were you thinking when you filled this thing out? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> JR, have a great day. Keep up the great work. Thanks so much for your time. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. That's our letter from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Greg Amsinger had a really interesting note about a couple of Cardinal players, and we will hear about that. And then more on Adam Wainwright coming up next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the Opening Drive, 101 ESPN. Brooke, you've covered spring training's a few years, right? Yes, I have. Do uh, do Major League Baseball players use the weight room in spring training generally? Do, do yes. they lift weights in spring They do. Training? They do. They have it right next to the clubhouse, actually. Okay. Uh, Adam Wainwright, according to <laughs> Ali Marmol, injured in a weight room session on Tuesday before the fa- finale of the World Baseball Classic. Had, had nothing to do with pitching. He was doing some leg work and suffered a groin injury. And Waino, according to Marmol, will miss several weeks, but... It had nothing to do with pitching in the Classic. It had to do with preparing for the Cardinals and being in the weight room. I know. As soon as I saw that it came out that Wayno was going to start on the injured list, I was bracing myself for all the social media and texts coming in saying, see, this is why we don't have the World Baseball Classic. This is why you don't have your best going and doing that. But it is, it's not good to hear that he's injured, but it is good to hear that it was another incident. Accidents can happen. They can happen at any point, anywhere, in the weight room and the World Baseball Classic. I guarantee you that Wayno, even if he knew that he would get possibly somewhat injured where he'd be out a few weeks to start the season on the IL, he still would have participated in the World Baseball Classic representing Team USA. He said over and over again that that has been a huge dream of his to represent the country. I would say that in terms of overall injuries, 
it's probably more dangerous for a Major League Baseball player to work out during the offseason than it is to participate in the World Baseball Classic. Jack Flaherty, last year, right? They couldn't talk to him during the offseason. Remember Alex Reyes got hurt? Yes. He had the Tommy John because of throwing during the offseason. That sort of thing happens all the time. It really does. I mean, I even hurt myself just trying to do a little bit at the gym, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't imagine being like 40-plus years old still pitching at the level that he's pitching at. I mean, injuries are going to happen a lot easier. Yeah, especially with a guy like that. Meanwhile, a couple of other guys that played in the World Baseball Classic for the Cardinals, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, didn't do so well in the last game, although they did kind of carry the USA in the semifinal game. And we asked Greg Amzinger tonight, or this morning, what Greg Amzinger of MLB Tonight on MLB Network, what his view of Goldie and Arenado is on a national basis because he was at the World Baseball Classic. He was talking to the manager of the USA team. So what's the perception? What I'll say is this. Mark DeRosa, the manager of Team USA, never changed the top four of his lineup. He shuffled everyone else. Mark DeRosa knows the game. He didn't move Betts, Trout, Goldie, and Arenado. Those four are the best players in baseball in his eyes. And I trust him. Those are the top five position players in the game. So, Betts, Trout, Goldie, and Arenado. Cardinals have two of the four best American players, at least in the eyes of the manager of Team USA, who I give a little bit more credence to than myself in terms of knowing baseball and knowing baseball players. The Cardinals have two superb future Hall of Famers at the corners, and because they had one bad game at the end of the (laughs) World Baseball Classic, or maybe one bad game, Or two against Philadelphia. I'm going to be more inclined, Brooke, to judge the careers Mm -hmm. and the numbers that they put up over their careers rather than three or four or five games. So you're taking the body of work. I am. Rather than just one tiny mistake in a grand scheme of things for a season that has over 100 plus games. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense. I think that maybe possibly what's going on here is that you still have people, I said earlier, possibly PTSD with the way that things happened against the Phillies, Mm -hmm. where you had both of those guys really struggling. But really, going into the playoffs, they were already struggling offensively anyways. Remember, it was just kind of like a weird funk that... The Cardinals offense was in in general, and that carried in for Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. I think that maybe that that's what's going on here with people concerned about that. It's like, wow, are we going to have to go through this again where it's a big moment, just like you had at the end of last year, and they weren't able to perform at a big stage? Goldie's first playoff series, he had a 438 batting average, two homers, six RBIs, a 1.339 OPS. His next playoff series, uh, he hit 400 with a homer, uh, 1.4 OPS. Uh, his first playoff series with the Cardinals, he had a couple of home runs, had a 1.383 OPS, a 1.055 OPS in that series against San Diego a few years ago. Uh, 769 slug. I have no qualms about Paul Goldschmidt's abilities or his history, in fact, in the postseason. And Nolan Arenado doesn't have a big enough sample size in the playoffs to even really consider that to be legit. No, and I think that even those two, they said it many times after the way that last season finished, that they were very disappointed in themselves, that they were going to work on figuring it out, making sure that that wouldn't happen again. It felt like it was just a one, one-off one thing. And I know it is concerning, but like you said earlier, Team USA wouldn't have gotten to that point if it wasn't for what Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt were doing leading them that way. Right. I mean, even look at Lars Newbar. I saw people you know, tweeting about that as well, like, well, he didn't even do much in the, in the World Baseball Classic 
Classic final. He did have an RBI in that game, but he did enough to help them get to that point. They won by one run. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty important. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Carrie is here. And coming up, we've got Rock and Roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. So you might think that one week from today is going to be the, the big party of the year in St. Louis. Of course, we're going to be broadcasting at the Budweiser Brewhouse at Ballpark Village for opening day. The shows are all going to be there. Opening drive, BK and Ferrario, Fastlane, broadcasting on March 30th from Ballpark Village. The opening day coverage brought to you by Rawlings, Green Envy, Lawn Care, and Budweiser. You might think that that's going to be the party of the year, but CD, the party of the year is going to be July 16th over at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Indeed, because we have your chance every day this week to win a pair of lawn tickets to see Snoop Dogg with Wiz Khalifa, Too Short, Warren G, and more at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on July 16th. Tickets are on sale now, or you can text in to win free tickets at 314-399-9646. You can also find a bonus chance to win tickets to Snoop Dogg under contest at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. And Rock has your Snoop Dogg trivia question. Yes, so we, we, we've we learned a lot of things about Snoop Dogg. We mm-hmm. learned that uh, in his Rastafarian career, he went by Snoop, Snoop Lion. Lion. Mm-hmm. We learned that uh, he got called uh, Snoopaloop by Will Ferrell in the movie Old School. Yep. And yesterday we learned that his real legal name is Calvin Brodus yes. Jr. He also has a middle name, Cortazar, which is ridiculous and awesome at the same Great time. Name. So let's learn more <laughs> about Snoop Dogg. Which artist's album did he make his professional rapping debut on? Which artist's album did he make his professional rapping debut on? It's going to be caller number 40 who wins these tickets today. Which other artist's album did he make his career debut on? Very nice. Anybody know, by the way, how tall Too Short is? Too Short feels like he's about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, I'm going 5'7". Okay. I... I I, I want to say. Eh, Let's see if Google knows. What's the average? I'd call five, him diminutive. Like I'd call him diminutive. You could call him diminutive. You cannot call six one <laughs> no, point guards you. in the NBA diminutive. Rock. It's just not the proper use of you, the word. I don't know why you brought up that second one there. I was, I was just mentioning too short. I don't know why you're bringing up that. Hey Google, how short is the rapper Too Short? It's asking. Asking. Come five on, seven. Google. Five, five seven. seven. Yeah, I figured it was around that that height. Yep. Is that really that short though? Yes. For yeah, a male? Yeah. What? I mean, it's too. It's that an, was too quick. It's below. It's below. For too short. It's type. below average. The average. The average for an American male is five eight, five nine. No, is it really? For an American male, yeah. It's a little oh. shorter in other countries, a little taller oh. in other countries, but I'm pretty sure the average right now for How the good? average American male is five eight, five nine. Here we go. Let's just uh, ask the Google machine again. <laughs> <laughs> hey Google, how tall is the average American male? Uh, about 5'9". Oh. Yeah. Rock, you, so you, you, you know your stuff. So when you went Flip it off and no. use it. Carrie, don't you dare. Carrie, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Because if you guys can see our show, this is where, really where we need the cameras is in after, <laughs> after our show to watch the post-meeting prep for oh, the next yeah. day. Like that, that, the, the post-show pre-meeting prep for the next day. Those are the, the where the cam- that's where the money is being made. And it's made. not even no about prep. sports. We haven't talked about miscellaneous. We were talking 
heard about how many suits does Stephen A. Smith have? <laughs> yeah. And it broke out into a, oh, it was, it was a. <laughs> what? Let's just text in, text in a number, ladies and gentlemen. Just take a wild guess. How, how many, many suits does Stephen A. Smith and actually have? follow up, is it more than a professional athlete would have in his col- in his closet? Because that was the other part of the argument. <laughs> And I, I would lean to say that Brooke and I were correct and Rock was wrong yeah, in that night. I never once <laughs> said hockey players have more suits than Stephen A. Smith. Do not put words in my mouth. Okay. That's not what was said. So what do we got for a couple of minutes of rock and roll? Yes, I wanted to follow up on this. A few, uh, a few uh, rock and rolls ago, we talked about the issue right now that the NBA is having with load management, how the mm-hmm. NBA PA has reached out and they want to have a dialogue about it. Well, a dialogue has already started. Tamika Tramalio, the NBA PA executive director, joined Keisha. Sean, J. Will, and Max, and she broke down right now the NBA PA's take on load management in the NBA. Specifically, as you talk about load management, I guess it's important to make the distinction between load management and injury management, right? Obviously, we're keeping it as a priority, the health and safety of our players. So you've got to look at things from an injury perspective as well. But in general, as we look at load management, the reason why it is such a complex issue is because there are so many stakeholders. We are there to play the game and we're excited to see our fans and we want our fans to be engaged. So we've got to look at it from the perspective of the fans and their expertise expectations and how are we meeting their expectations. We also have to look at it in terms of the team and their overall objective and how do they get to the things that they want to get accomplished while also managing our players. We as clearly a priority for us is the health and safety. So how do you look at health and safety as it relates to the team, to the governors, to the fans, you know, all of those things play such a huge component in this and it's a complex issue. Sounds to me, while it, it they seem to be on the same page, we go. It it just seems to me like the more rhetoric we get on this, they're going to slowly start diverging paths away from each other a little bit, and we're going to start getting the NBA PA really pushing that. Well, it's injury management, and mm-hmm. the NBA governors saying, mm-hmm. "No, you're you're pushing this too far." I think this is going to be a long drawn out battle between these two camps. I think the issue is always going to be is how can you tell if someone is actually injured or if they're just taking a night off. Because they they feel or the doctors have told them that a night off would do them do them good. I, I it's it's unfortunate for me because I you know there was a time Rock Randy Brooke where NBA players played every night. Yep, it was just it was a it seems like many worlds ago, but they they actually <laughs> played. If they had eighty two games, this is the Dan is the the craziest thought process. They actually played eighty two games. Mm-hmm. Like who would who would think of such a well, such madness? I'll tell right? you what, Kerry, the other thing they did is one player that played a lot of 82 game seasons even during the finals would order a whole pizza up to his room mm. yeah yeah they, you know, now, just... now he's eating organic chicken and broccoli <laughs> once a day and trying to have a 0.3% body fat hey why not try to do something that'll keep you healthier. Eat the, a pizza. The, the have greatest a beer. player of all time would stay up till five o'clock in the morning playing cards yeah and smoking and cigars smoking cigars. Well, and even I think of like two, just that <laughs> iconic moment of the Michael Jordan flu game. Yeah. Now, what would you say a player would sit out if they had flu? Oh man, that, listen, they're sitting out. They're sitting out. They, it, <laughs> it, it, they're it's, sitting out. It's just a different time, I guess. And, and these kids I, today are a bunch of wusses. Yeah, I think the thing that's probably the most <laughs> no frustrating <thanks>. about it <laughs> is just take it off the, my lawn, Carrie. Just come the, on. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be that guy, but I think the most frustrating thing about it is it hasn't been proven to help. Has it? No. Like sitting out games, how much has it helped? There is one name and one team that you can give me. Other than that, who else has it helped 
when they have all of these low management games. That one game, one team would be Kawhi and the Toronto Raptors. Other than that, what team has benefited drastically from having guys have a bunch of load management games. Well, and Kerry, look how tight the West is right now. Two games of load management can cost you a championship. And they're not load managing now because if you lose two games, you could go from the sixth seed to out of the playoffs. So what do you – at what point is – is the competition more important than, man, I got to rest? 100% of the time. Okay. Well, we need to, they need to have us on a phone call yeah. then. The Warriors did shelve Curry when they were having a bad year and sat him for a bunch of games. He broke his hand. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then they kept him out he when he could have come back healthy. Yeah, he broke his hand. They, I'm just saying, but they, they lengthened that. He broke his hand. And he then, didn't play and the entire year. He played five games. He broke his hand, and he was out for the rest of the year. At that point, when you are that terrible, that's the difference. What do you want? I and mean, we're talking about guys that are low managing, that are playoff in playoff contention, yeah. sitting down and not playing in games. And you are in a conference in the West, like you said, three games separate the, the two from the ten seed. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. The Kawhi story, I feel like, takes too much heft because people want to bring up the fact that you know he doesn't speak to the Spurs anymore as kind of the acrimonious potential of playing a guy when he's injured and he doesn't want to play. No, he didn't play. Force, or, or, yeah, last year there, he didn't play at all. Trying to force a guy to play and then and then being on the outs with him because he feels like his health isn't being prioritized by the team. Unfortunately, I don't know if we have enough examples of that to, for it to be a problem across the NBA where teams aren't taking aren't putting their players' priorities first. In fact, the players have come out and said, this is the doctors telling us not to play, not us. Yep. Great job today, Mr. Rocchio. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Mr. Rocchio, who hates St. Louis, loves Stan Kroenke. No, wait, hold on. <laughs> doesn't want to, doesn't no, want to be I, I heard hey, that too, Randy. Yep, I heard opening that. Day. March, March 30th, opening day. Okay, <laughs> let's a, where are the plane St. tickets Louis to? Holiday. Yeah, as long as we can get out of town on, on opening day of the baseball season in St. Louis, we're good. But you act like it's going to be your birthday or something next week. I'll just be putting That wasn't fair. That wasn't fair at all. Look, this was fun. This was fun. And I have Wally's. This is exciting. Best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, CD. Hey, we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of our show. For all of us until tomorrow, and by the way, tomorrow is Friday, uh, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.